Okay, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the May 2nd, 2022 meeting of the Alameda Open Government Commission. Uh, we will start with the roll call. Madam Clerk, can you please take the roll? Commissioners Camera. Here. Chen. Present. Montgomery. Here. Tilos. Here. Chair Lopalata. Here. Five present. Thank you. Um, so next on our agenda is a space for non-agenda public comment, uh, which is limited to 15 minutes total. Uh, Madam Clerk, do we have any speakers who would like to give public comment on matters not covered in this agenda? By the way, there are five attendees present and none of them are raising their hands. So I believe the answer to that is no. <laughs> okay, great. All right, then we will move right along to um, agenda item 3A, which is uh, our hearing on the Sunshine Ordinance complaint filed on April 13th, 2022. And um, before we get going on that, I just wanted to take a second to um, acknowledge sort of the human side of this. So um, this hearing touches on a really emotional topic. Um, I'm willing to guess that many of us have, you know, potentially strong feelings about the events which gave rise to this public records request. Um, and alongside that emotional and complex reality, we as a commissioner tasked with uh, looking at a fairly narrow set of issues related to a specific public records request and the response that was given to that request. So, um, for the purposes of this hearing, you know, we might all be talking about these public records in a really technical way. And um, our job tonight doesn't involve weighing in on the actual, you know, events captured in those records, um, which may require some mental compartmentalization. So um, as we're moving forward tonight, I just wanted to say, um, you know, be very clear that when we're talking about these technical questions, um, you know, nothing that goes on in this hearing is in any way an invalidation of the very real and raw pain being experienced in the community. Um, and I'll also say this is a commission of community members, not a courtroom. So I want to honor the fact that uh, if this topic is difficult to talk about for the parties, for members of the public calling in or for commissioners, um, you know, I'll urge everyone to focus on the specific and technical issues before us. But I'm also mindful of the fact that sometimes a brief recess can be better for our collective psyche. So um, commissioners, please don't be shy if um, you think a brief break might be necessary at any point tonight. And um, finally, on a more tactical note, there are um, a lot of statutory and factual issues presented in this complaint, which is framed around nine separate issues. So um, I expect that as chair, I may need to help steer our commission deliberations through a few rounds of threshold questions. And I welcome input from both parties on what that framework should look like. And um, just also wanted to quickly acknowledge some of the, the limitations of the structure of this commission and the complaint process as it's currently outlined in the Sunshine Ordinance, which is essentially we as commissioners have one week to review and analyze all of the complaint materials when they get published on the agenda the Monday prior to our meetings. Um, we now get a very helpful guidance memo on legal issues from the Chief Assistant City Attorney, um, which in this case we received a few days ago. Um, but unlike a judge, we don't have legal research clerks or externs. Um, and we can't really break up the hearing into different days on which we're dealing with procedure and substance. So that's a long way of saying, um, 
Thank you everyone uh, for your patience. Thanks in advance uh, as we work our way through this one. So um, before we bring the parties into the Zoom room, I'll just briefly go over our presentation order. Um, the complainant will give an opening statement and presentation, uh, which can be up to 10 minutes. The respondent can give an opening statement and presentation up to 10 minutes. Um, the complainant has an opportunity to give a reply presentation um, if needed up to five minutes. Then as commissioners, we have an opportunity to question the parties and any witnesses. We would have five minutes per commissioner. Then um, the complainant will be able to give a closing statement. The respondent will give a closing statement. Those are limited to two minutes each. Um, after questions, I will ask the clerk uh, if there's any speakers for public comment. And um, following our public comment speakers, uh, we'll turn it over to uh, deliberations. Um, and then finally, just when the time comes for framing, our decision options are the following. Complaint sustained with a cure and correct recommendation. Complaint sustained without a cure and correct recommendation. Complaint denied. Complaint denied is unfounded. Or complaint dismissed on jurisdictional or procedural grounds. We can make those findings with respect to individual claims within a complaint or with respect to the full complaint. So um, I think with that, we can go ahead and turn to the complainant. Commissioner Cambridge, you have a question. Yeah, I'd like to raise the issue of jurisdiction before we bring the parties in, because we do not have jurisdiction to handle any complaint that would be time barred. And while we want the parties to have that discussion, I think there are a number of these, at least according to my reading, we may not have to discuss the substance of the claim because they would be time barred and we would not have jurisdiction to even handle it. So might suggest we organize around the, at least initially the time bar discussion, letting both parties know. And as I said, we've got nine complaints or nine portions of the complaint, I guess. And we might be able to eliminate a good portion of those before we get into the substance. Thank you, Commissioner Canberra. And yes, um, I think it it's, seems fair to flag for the parties that that is how I was thinking we'd probably need to structure the deliberations as sort of addressing um, sort of whether some, any or all of the claims are time barred um, before we go into the substance of any claims that survive that analysis. Um, uh, Chief Assistant City Attorney Mackenzie, does that sound like a, a fair approach when we eventually structure our deliberations? I, I, I agree. I think that's a good approach. Okay, great. Well, um, Commissioner Camber, thank you again for raising that. And, um, and I'll look to you to, to help keep us on track there. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, Madam Chair, um, why don't we go ahead and turn to the complainant and uh, bring in Mr. Fraser for opening statement and presentation, please. Hi, good evening. Can you all see and hear me all right? Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, I just wanna start uh, with a few things and, and I thank the chair for her opening comments because mine are somewhat similar. Uh, I wanted to thank the commissioners and staff for having this meeting and hearing my complaint. I know that as commissioners, you're all volunteers and you do this work because you care about our city. So thank you very much. 
Uh, I also wanted to note that as you may be able to tell, if you looked at my complaint, I am not a professional like Mr. Cohen. I did go to law school, but I'm not someone who regularly practices before a court or administrative body. So I apologize for my overly long complaint and reply. I am clearly pretending to know what I'm doing, but the truth is that um, I'm just a regular person trying to get the right result here. Um, I'm also a nervous public speaker and have two small children on the other side of this door who are screaming about Finding Nemo right now. Uh, that's a true statement and, and, and my four-year-old nap today, so she won't go to bed till nine. And so I'm going to ask for a little patience if uh, we get some additional complainants in the Zoom room. Um, with that said, uh, I'll, I'll dive in. And also with uh, the points made by the commissioners already that this long complaint uh, sort of was in two purposes, uh, one uh, which may be obvious, but um, I kind of want to start with a framework of the complaint and some of the, the common themes throughout the issues. And then to the extent time permits, talk about the substantive issues in detail. Um, so first I wanted to talk about the main ideas and, and those, really, those really begin with the California constitution with article one, section three B, which says the people have the right of access to information concerning the conduct of the people's business and therefore the meetings of public bodies, bodies and the writings of public officials and agencies shall be open to public scrutiny. So, um, yeah, I think I have a right to this information. Uh, secondly, I think the Sunshine, uh, oh, the Sunshine Ordinance Section 2.90.1 uh, says an informed public is essential to democracy. I believe that statement. I'll continue. It is the goal of the ordinance codified in this article to ensure that the citizens of Alameda have timely access to information opportunities to address the ver various legislative bodies prior to decisions being made and easy and timely access to all public records. That's the end of the statute. Um, so as we'll discuss in a minute, I requested these records on April 19th, 2021. Whatever else you believe, I think it would be false to say that I've had easy and timely access to all public records relevant to this matter. And um, I understand, of course, how work and exceptions work, but the, uh, the preamble or, or sort of purpose of this legislation, both on, uh, in constitutional provisions on, on a state and local level are about access to information and the idea that sunshine is the best medicine. And I think that especially if, involves cases like this. I'd like to take a moment as Commissioner Lopalato did and, and acknowledge what this case is really about, right? This case is being brought by me. I recognize that when you look at me and when you hear me talk and when you see my name, you don't see a person who looks like they've been trampled throughout life and has something other than male and white privilege. I get that. I totally get that. But this case is being brought by me because I am trying to exercise that privilege and the access to information and the education that I've had and shine light on what I think was the murder of an innocent man by our city in a cruel and incredibly heartbreaking manner. And I think the city 
has ostensibly acknowledged this and yet through its actions has demonstrated an unwillingness to give justice to Mario, Mario Gonzalez and his legacy. And what I think that means is in part um, working with the family to reach a resolution, right? But I also think that is preventing the next Mario Gonzalez. So I'm of course aware that the city passed, uh, held an emergency meeting in the, in the wake of Mario Gonzalez's death and did some policy changes. And I applaud those changes, though the implementation has been sketchy or, or not sketchy, but um, it's still in progress. There's still work to be done. But with Mario's case, the city has clung to its records. The city has overredacted. The city has undershared. The city has used sharing as an opportunity to damage Mr. Gonzalez's reputation and memory. Specifically, I'm thinking about you know sharing particular details and leaving out others. And and that's just not right. That's just not right. What this case needs is a ton of information out in the public, so that press academics, individuals can review the information, can look at the details, can understand what went wrong, can go to their council members and say, we, the community, want change. We, the community, see what happened in this case, and we want change. So yeah, I'm a white guy coming here before you and exercising my privilege so that everyone else can do that. And I want us to recognize, yes, these are complex legal issues, but what at the end of the day, the practical is really important here. And I'm not looking, thanks to the council changing the rules, I'm not gonna get any reward from this, right? Not that I enti I'm entitled to one, right? But there's no, there's no tangible benefit to me. I have no interest in this case other than a personal interest in this case. So what this is really about is changing the way the city does business and changing the way the city handles public information requests so that I don't have to do this again and you don't have to hear from me again, right? That's why I have nine complaints. That's why I'm thinking that this might take a court case because I don't wanna do this ever again. I don't want there ever to be another Mario Gonzalez again on many fronts, right? So that's what this is about from my perspective. Um, okay, substantively, um, part of these, a lot of these, as pointed out by Commissioner Cambra and Lo Palato, uh, are um, government code sections or violations of the government code. Um, they're in the complaint because I don't know anything about litigating and I thought I needed to preserve my, uh, my uh, appeal. If it, if it were going to be considered, if I ever filed a lawsuit, I wanted to make sure that I'd exhausted my administrative remedies. So I encourage you to help me along this path. And if you want to deny them, I'm perfectly happy with that so long as it I've exhausted my administrative remedies. The thing that is important though, is that um, there is, uh, I think that the way to read the Sunshine Ordinance is that it is an expansive piece of legislation. It takes what is in the Public Records Act and says, yes, everything that that says and more. And so I would argue that notwithstanding the real reason here is to preserve a, a future complaint in, in court, also true that the, the Sunshine Ordinance relies upon the Public Records Act and, and requires those provisions be followed. Otherwise, the Sunshine Ordinance doesn't keep on its own. So I think that uh, the city is 
state law, but I would also argue you have jurisdiction to say to the city, you need to pay attention. I'm sorry, I, I hate to interrupt, but I'm really having problems hearing you. You're, it's getting scratchy and I can't hear what you're saying. I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm Absolutely. Be rude. No problem. I appreciate you telling me. How about now? Is that any better? No, are we so hard to tell. keep going, keep okay, going. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. All right. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, the clock. Um, let me uh, let me just check my audio. Assist. OK, uh, OK, we're going to try this. Hopefully that works. I turned off. OK, thanks. For the thumbs up. OK, thank you so much for telling me. Um, I also want to talk about the breadth of this request. I think the two real issues for remaining that remain for you to think about and talk about and, and that I actually care about for this body are one, timeliness. I believe this complaint is timely and I'll tell you why. Uh, my violation, the, there are many violations that occurred as I said in the reply. What I'm focusing on here and what I would appreciate your, hear, your consideration on is the violations that occurred from March 30th to April 7th when the city gave me entirely false information um, and withheld records unreasonably, right? They had the report from March 30th to April 7th. There's no excuse for not releasing the report and for not releasing the records in between those periods of time. The second, or I three issues. The second would be original form. Original form is in the statute. It's in the, it's in, it's in the um, uh, uh, Sunshine Ordinance as well. I think it's pretty clear that Yes, if I were asking for a form that the city didn't have the records in, that would be one thing, but I'm asking for the original form of the records. And I believe the, the Public Records Act and the Sunshine Ordinance back me up on this. Uh, it's also not moot, right? I'm asking for a lot of records here that is intentional. I'm asking for text messages between officers on their personal phones and, and Mr. Clemens, who is a city employee, and I believe raises serious questions of liability for the city. So it's not moot either. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fraser. Um, and to give you some reassurance, it was like every 20th word I think was garbled, but uh, commissioners, do we feel like we got the substance? Does anybody have before we release our complainant? All right, um, we'll be bringing you back for questions, I'm sure, but um, thank you. Um, with that, I think we can move straight into our respondents opening statement, Madam Clerk. We are promoting um, the staff person. Good evening, Mr. Khan. Good evening. Can you all hear me? Yes. All right. Thank you for having me uh, today. And I want to thank Mr. Frazier for his pre presentation. And I want to thank the OGC um, for hearing the city's response today. Um, I want to, I've also brought the chief of police uh, to this hearing and he'll be available as well to the extent the committee wants to ask him questions about the process, because fundamentally that's, that's what this complaint is about. That's what the city's position is about, is protecting the integrity of the investigation process. Every citizen accused of a crime, well, I'm sorry, I'm losing my, God, sorry, I am so sorry. All right, in April of 2021, 
Mr. Fraser asked the city to produce records related to a critical incident, as you know, involving Mario Gonzalez. Mr. Fraser was one of dozens of CPR requests we the city received at the time. Each one received a response informing them that while the city recognized the intense public interest in the investigation, a fact-finding process was underway. While that fact-finding process was underway, the city would need to balance the public interest in a full and fair investigation with the public interest in transparency. And except for some very selective disclosures, the city informed requesters that the process would need to be pl play out before a full public accounting of the incident could take place. That's all that occurred here. The city followed its best practices by balancing the public's right to know with the public interest in a fair investigation. Every individual accused of a crime is entitled to the presumption of innocence and to a fair trial at which evidence can be presented and challenged. Every accused, every suspect in a criminal proceeding is entitled to a full and fair investigation of the facts. Every accused, be they a person arrested by a police officer or a peace officer who used force during an arrest, is entitled to an investigation that's conducted professionally, conducted completely, and uncontaminated by the interference or involvement of other parties. And a key factor in conducting an uncontaminated investigation is giving investigators enough time not only to secure physical evidence, but also to interview witnesses before their recollections of the event have been tainted by exposure um, to coverage of the incident, either in the press or by reactions to the incident on social media. Everything that the city did in this particular case was designed to allow a full and fair investigation to go forward without any interference by the city of Alameda. There was considerable daylight between uh, the city of Alameda and the Alameda County District Attorney. And that was why we took an extremely cautious approach towards disclosing records because we didn't know at the time what the DA was going to investigate, what the DA, what facts the DA was going to be interested in, what witnesses the DA was was um, would want to contact, and what, if anybody, or who, if anybody, might be charged with the crime. So we took a hands-off approach and, and, and tried to um, and tried to ensure that we didn't prejudice or interfere with the investigation. Now, Penal Code 832.7, which I'm sure you read a lot in, <laughs> in our filings, recognizes this. It recognizes that transparency and accountability are very important. And that's why the, the legislature directed cities to start disclosing information uh, connected with a critical incident. But it also recognized that there's an important in allowing the prosecutor to have a, an opportunity to evaluate the facts and to use her best discretion to determine what the next steps would be. And they, what Penal Code 832.7 does is it says, look, we recognize that these records eventually are going to be made public, but at this point in time, um, while there is a criminal investigation pending, while it's possible that the police officers are going to could be charged with the crime, or say in a different incident, um, it, while the suspect might face 
you know, battery charges. If, if the, if it was a different incident and the suspect say got into an altercation with the police department, it recognizes that, that you have to be selective in your disclosures so that a fair process can complete. And in this case, at all times, the agency acted reasonably, the city acted reasonably balancing the public interest in transparency with the desire to allow for a full and fair investigation. Now, that being said, we feel that at all times during this, uh, during our treatment of this case, we complied with both the letter and intent of the Sunshine Ordinance. What, what was withheld at the time and what has, what has now been produced today was redacted only to protect third party privacy rights. And when I say third party, I want the commission to understand this. We're not talking about police officers. We're not talking about employees of the city. We're talking about individual citizen witnesses who gave statements to the officers, maybe in their homes, maybe with children present, um, that, that, that provided these statements. And on balance, we didn't want to interfere with or chill these citizens' ability to report on what they saw by publicly putting their names out in, in front of the public. So that was, we took a very cautious approach towards redacting information, recognizing that the, the public has a right, has a desire and a right to review the entire contents of these records. And um, so, Nothing was withheld that shouldn't have been withheld. Mr. Frazier is complaining, for example, of the, uh, about the fact that the city didn't release text messages. Well, all I can say is when we were asked to collect text messages, we did reach out and we did ask whether or not people, whether or not they possessed any text messages, either on their personal or city of city phones. And the only ones which we were able to locate were disclosed to Mr. Fraser back in June. This does not include Mr. Clemens because Mr. Clemens didn't have any text messages. Nobody's trying to hide anything. We're just trying to protect the, the we were just trying to protect the integrity of the process. Right now, the only thing that's left to be released at this juncture um, would be the personnel investigation into the incident. That investigation is nearly complete, but it is not complete. And when it's complete, we will promptly release everything um, to the public. So let me address the issue of, of now of original versus um, edited records. Again, we released every, everything that, that we were required to release was released in its original format. It's been posted to the city's website. Everybody has access to that information. I realize at the time, when we were moving fast at the very outset of this investigation, there was a YouTube file that was released by our PIO containing the calls for service. We were not, we were trying to get information out to the public at the time and we used the best method for, for doing so. But I believe that the actual original versions of those audio calls are now out on the city's website. Same thing with the body camera. The body camera was now is now been produced in the format in which it was collected. However, like the police report and some of the other documents, body worn camera has been redacted to protect citizens, non-party, non-employee citizens right to privacy. You know, just because someone um, provides evidence in a, in a criminal case or a potentially criminal case, doesn't mean that they consent to having like a six-year-old kid's face plastered across 
you know, every news channel in the area. Again, we were trying to be cautious to, to sort of balance the integrity of the investigation with the public's right to know. I believe that most of the allegations in this complaint are now untimely. Um, Mr. Frazier makes a lot in his, his reply brief about contending that we made the argument that he only has 15 days from the day he submits his request to, um, to file a complaint. That's not at all what we said. What we actually said was that, was that a person has 15 days from discovery of the violation. So if we if we look at, to, at what's at issue in this case, Mr. Frazier himself admits that we're only looking at the period of March 30th to April 7th, okay? On March 30th, it's true. So, uh, the, the chief of police received a draft copy of the district attorney's final report. But at the time, as we were preparing the records for public release, we felt that we should be mindful of the DA's caution and said that this report will not be released to the public for a minimum of five days. To us, and again, in, in, acting out of an abundance of caution, acting in a way that was designed not to, to, to give the DA as wide a space as she needed to do what she needed to do, um, we held off on releasing the records 12 days. We held off until we were ultimately informed on April 7th, the way everybody else found out that the investigation- That's time. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, Mr. Cohen, we do have some flexibility if you needed, you know, 30 seconds to wrap up, that's fine. I, I just wanted to say, look, there's no mystery here. Again, the, the city is absolutely committed to, to a fully transparent process. And especially now that all of the investigations are, except for one, are, are, are completed, you know, it gives us more freedom to disclose what the investigators found. But until that occurred, we were, again, we were taking a cautious approach to, so that we were not accused of interfering with the district attorney's discretionary decisions. Thank you, thank you. Um, and I, I misspoke earlier in saying that we would bring the complainant back for questions. We actually need to bring the complainants back for a reply presentation if you would like to give one. Madam Clerk. We will put, put him back in. Okay, microphone still works. All right, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm going to just cut right in and say which investigation was the city trying to protect? The, the DA, uh, DA O'Malley, of course, famous for her prosecution or lack thereof of other people who kill people. Uh, when they're wearing a uniform, didn't investigate Charles Clemens, right? Charles Clemens is an employee of the city of Alameda. He was doing a ride along. If this would not cause trauma to those who may be watching, I would show you a screenshot from the body worn camera footage, which shows Mr. Clemens lying on top of Mario Gonzalez with his entire body. Okay. He was referred to in the DA's report as a witness. Yes, he witnessed the murder of Mario Gonzalez. He also participated in it. So when the DA says in her report, that she's not investigating anyone who's not a police officer. And Mr. Clemens was a parking tech at the time, part-time, I understand. Um, she didn't investigate him. And that's the most important issue in this case criminally. So Mr. Cohen also claims 
that, you know, he doesn't know the status, or at least on the phone when we spoke, he said he didn't know the status of the Alameda County Sheriff's Office investigation. If he doesn't know the status of that report or didn't when we spoke on about the 12th, then why did the city, re excuse me, release the, the um, records, right? He's like, I don't know what's going on with the county, the sheriff's department. Like, I, we're totally separate. Well, if you're totally separate, then why would you want to damage the investigation, right? This story doesn't add up. It's inconsistent. He's saying he can't release records but he's releasing records when investigations are ongoing, right? Not to mention the lawyer in San Francisco, who's obviously going to find favorably for the city that they did nothing wrong, or maybe they have a little blood on their hands, but not too much, right? So they don't care about that investigation, which is also not complete. So, and if the Alameda County Sheriff's Office has completed its investigation, where is that report? Why isn't it public? I haven't received it. So again, the complaint is not moot because I haven't received that investigation. Um, and, and where is the investigation or any in materials at all, considering the crimes committed, the crime committed by Mr. Clements called murder or homicide, if you like, right? With, I don't see anything in these materials. And I do admit that I have not read every single page, but did use search terms often. Um, and Mr. Clemens is referred to as a witness, which made it slightly difficult to find. But there seems to be no investigation into his crime by any party, including the city. So the, the claim that, you know, we don't want to damage an investigation is completely beside the point when there is no credible investigation into the actual murder without uh, by Mr. Clemens. Right. So so that I just I, I think that's just completely baseless. Um, also, the redaction was not was it was about protecting privacy, but it's who is it protecting the privacy of, right? If you actually watch, like for example, all the ring cameras that they collected, they they spent the time. Some poor soul in the police department redacted every license plate of every car that drives by. Okay, as we all know, if you took a privacy seminar in law school, you don't have a, a right to privacy in anything you do in public, right? So driving by your license plate is public information, which I hate, right? I don't like license plate readers, but we have them. But the point is, is that they've spent the time to redact this information from passersby who are not innocent third party witnesses. They were driving their car on a public road. The point is that the city is putting its resources towards the wrong efforts. Right? They're protecting the people with power so that they don't get in. They are not protecting the innocent and the victims of this crime. Okay. And they're gaslighting us all by saying that they're, you know, doing their best efforts here. And finally, I'll get into the details a little bit because I have the time. They didn't actually do what's required under the, the, the uh, Sunshine Ordinance or the California Public Records Act specifically 6253C, right? 6253C says you have to write back, you have to say whether you have records, you don't have to give them in 10 days, but you have to tell me that you have records that are responsive. The city to this day has never written back to say, hi, Mr. Fraser, we have records that are responsive to your request. Instead, they imply that, but they don't actually say that, right? And I think this is one of the things that needs to change with the process. The city needs to follow the law. Just, it's not like you're hiding thing. Just do it right. Just say, yes, we have responsive records. No, we haven't done, have, have response. We do not have responsive records. Like, that is, is really easy to fix and they should fix that. Um, similarly, the reason I made such a big point about metadata is because it reveals stuff like that these records have been sitting unchanged since December, 2021. Right.
Thank you. Um, Mr. Frazier, I should extend you the same courtesy if you needed an extra a 10 seconds, seconds would be if you don't mind. All, all I'm saying is that that also undermines the idea that the city has, you know, been trying to do stuff up into the last minute here. All flex that these have been sitting for months. So uh, I, again, I, I just I don't think the city is credible here. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, Madam Clerk, if I have our process correct here, I believe it's time for our commissioner questioning of um, the parties and any witnesses. Correct. Okay, thank you. And um, so uh, I wonder if commissioners, perhaps we can try to structure this a little bit um, in case you all have as many questions as I do. Uh, to perhaps focus first on our questions for um, for our complainant. Um, commissioners, does anybody have any, and that might help us avoid any sort of back and forth between the parties as well. Um, let's go around and um, Commissioner Montgomery, do you have questions? Go forward. I do, I have a couple. Um, what, what, to, to the complainant, what what um, records do you th think that you're missing um, that you that you didn't get? Because um, it's obvious you're, you're you're thinking that, but I I need to hear what records you think are missing. I mean, you would have liked to have seen. And um, the other thing is, I, I I think you may have answered this, but a little more on why you wanted the original formats. Um, those, those are the two that I'll start with. Is it okay if I answer or do you want me to? Okay, thanks. Uh, thank you for the question, Commissioner Montgomery. Um, so yes, I started to say, sorry, I've been a little all over the place with this. Um, a little scattershot, so I'll try to focus. The, the records that I think I'm missing, um, so I do believe, and as Mr. Cohen acknowledged, that text messages on personal devices uh, are discoverable records. Uh, and therefore, I think the city needs to do a better job of requesting them. Um, and so, for example, Mr. Cohen is correct that I did, uh, from another public records request, receive some uh, text messages. These were, um, there was no information attached to them, but I surmised that they were council member text messages, right? So the only people who responded to the request were people who were outside the police department and, and actually not city employees at all from what I guess. I mean, there was no information attached to them, so I couldn't tell. Um, so I, do I think that if I, if I put myself in the position of a police officer and I think, or, or a parking tech who's been involved in the death of someone, there's a lot to unpack there. These are human beings. I absolutely recognize that. Um, would I talk to a colleague? I totally would talk to a colleague about that and be like, holy like what just like, whoa, right? Like, let's unpack this, let's talk about it. And a lot of the time communication today is via text message or via WhatsApp or whatever. And so in my public records request, I specifically said, send me text messages because I was thinking like, if this were me, that's how, you know, there would be some, right? So I just, I, I uh, if we take Mr. Cohen's word for it, that the city attorney requested these records from the APD and that none were produced, I suppose, um, then there's an, a problem about APD listening to its lawyers, right? Because it seems to me, 
what there may be a problem, right? We don't know. I don't have any personal knowledge. Uh, actually, I do have some personal knowledge. So, and I'm sorry for getting taking a time to get there because I forgot about this, but I wanted to mention it. I went to have coffee with a cop, right? And because I'm a weird person, um, I was very direct with the police officers, very friendly, kind police officers who I met. And I said, hi, friendly cops. Uh, this was July 20th. This is months after Mario died, months after my request, right? And I said, hi, officers. Um, I sh you should also know that I made another request specifically only for the text messages shortly before this meeting, right? So that is not at issue here. It's just a background fact, right? So I said to the officers that I was talking with, there were two, I said, hey, this is going to be weird, but bear with me for a minute. I want to I sent a public records request for all text messages relating to something. Did you get a notification or request to send them? And the officers said, no. So again, it's possible that they got the notification, they just didn't, or the message, however, through the request, uh, and they just ignored it or didn't see it. But I think it's far more likely that perhaps what happened is Mr. Cohen or someone from the city attorney's office said to someone in the APD, hey, can you like ask around for text messages? And there was no actual action behind that. That's, my, that's a guess, right? But, oh, you can't hear me. Okay, you can't hear me. Uh, okay, so um, anyway, I don't actually know what happened. All I know is uh, that the officers that I spoke with had never received this request. Okay, your second question, I'll sorry, I'll try to answer more quickly. Oh, the other thing I want to know that I didn't get, terminal messages, right? Uh, for those people who have lived in Alameda long enough or uh, follow Rashid Shabazz on Twitter, know that the APD has a history of using its terminal, the officers of APD have, has a history of using its electronic terminals to send racist uh, messages to uh, between officers, right? There was a huge scandal in the 90s about this. Uh, anti-Semitic messages. So in my public records request, I said, give me the messages about this matter uh, from the terminals. Because if we don't see the messages, we don't know what they're saying. Are, are, are they saying, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. I feel so bad for his family. Maybe, but they could also be saying, we got another one. Bad, good day for the good guys or something like this, right? We just don't know. And so without getting that information, we can't tell. Uh, as far as the original form, the reason I wanted the original records is because of metadata, right? I wanted to see when it had been edited. I wanted to see who created the content and that sort of thing. And so Mr. Cohen is right that the records that have been posted from the 12th forward are generally speaking, though those who which have been posted are generally speaking in their redacted form. So again, those redactions were complete in December of 2021, so several months ago. Uh, but um, that's the reason why I want the original form. May I, may I respond real quickly? I, I know you don't want us to go back and forth, but I might be able to clear up some of the mystery here. Commissioner Montgomery, it was your question. I'll leave that to you. It, I would like to stay within whatever process we've set up, so. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Cohen, how about we give you the reassurance that we will touch on that topic when we uh, come to questions for you. And I'm gonna make a note on that. Make a um, note, make <laughs> a note on your tablet. 
<laughs> or find a way to weave it in if we don't ask you the right question. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, any other, I see Commissioner Chivas with your hand raised. Go for it. Yeah, I just want to tag along to, you know, Commissioner Montgomery's question and to ask um, Mr. Fraser if you could talk a little bit about the metadata. I sort of understand the concept of getting the originals. And I know that some techie people, if you get the originals, describe what you could get from there. Like, hey, this guy, it was touched when it was recorded. Can you just get the details of like, what can you get from there? Because I'm not the super tech savviest person. I'm going to do my best, but uh, sorry, can you hear me? Yes. I'm going to do my best, but I think part of my interest here is to get the information into the universe so that people that are smarter than both of us, if you don't mind me saying with this, with respect to this, can, can answer that question. But I think for, uh, uh, the answer is metadata sort of is like, uh, you know, in privacy cases, it's referred to as the envelope in which the correspondence is written, right? So if you think, so that's a, a useful reference here. If you think of an envelope that has a piece of mail in it, it shows you the times it was mailed, right? It shows you the this time it was, or where it was stamped, right? So like, um, uh, like you know, if you if you mailed it from Des Moines or whatever, it would show Des Moines. Um, it and it shows you sort of uh, possibly the weight, the size, that kind of thing. Similarly, with with electronic records, I think particularly with email and video, there's a lot of metadata. So, for example, with an email, you can tell who the email went to, even if like you could tell the BCC information, for example. You could tell. Um, which you can't tell from a printout of an email, right? Uh, Mr. Cohen produced one of these emails, which he claims to have sent to me. And uh, I hope he's gone back and checked his records and seen that he didn't in fact, presumably by accident, BCC me on that email. But the point is you wouldn't be able to tell that from the face of the document he produced, which was clearly sent to BCC, right? With, with, the, with the original document, with the metadata, you can tell, oh, look, Mr. Fraser's on here. He's just full of it. He actually did receive this, right? Which is not the case, but anyway. Um, so, so with email, there's a lot of detail there, particularly with senders and receivers that I think is important. With video, I think it's important because I think, um, I don't think it's possible, and I could be wrong about this. I don't think it's possible to undo redaction with a video uh, if you produced it in the original form. I think the, I think the data is like gone, like it's not coming back. It's black now in that square, in other words. So I don't think there's a risk to privacy, but I think um, there is a benefit in that you can tell better where they've made changes. So what I think is at, is at risk is that the video has been cut, right? If you, if you watch the video as I did last night, again, and you pause it a lot, you realize that there's a lot of motion here. There's a lot of lying on top of Mr. Gonzalez, and there's a lot of times when there are multiple bodies on him in really compromising ways. And it is not, in my mind, beyond reasonable to think that the city could have, for example, shortened or removed some of those sequences. That would be crazy. Yeah. But um, I think there are probably millions of dollars on the line here for the city, right? Reasonably. And uh, it wouldn't be crazy if you think about it in that context. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Chilos, any other questions from you yet? 
No, not for Mr. Fraser. Okay, Commissioner Canberra, I saw you come off mute. Is that the equivalent of a hand being raised? Not quite yet. No, I was um, just no, get, getting ready. My questions are going to go more to the city, I think, than to Mr. Fraser at this point. Okay. Um, go, going along our little Zoom boxes here, Vice Chair Chen, did you have any questions for our complainant? Okay. Um, I have, oh. Do I have an option of coming back to ask my questions? I just wanted to hear what everyone else was asking to make sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I fully understand that. Um, I, I see Commissioner Montgomery's hand go up again. And then if you prefer Vice Chair Chen, I can ask mine and then we can come to you to, to close it out if you like. Um, Commissioner Montgomery, I saw your hand go up. So I have one more question that I that I was just thinking about um, to Mr. Frazier. There's, there's, um, timeframes that we're looking at and um, as we've talked about time barred issues we're can you can you help me figure out why you didn't respond in more timely manners on some of those issues where you felt that it was already over yeah yeah um i thank you that's a great question um I, because I believe in, I, I, I guess the short answer is I, I, despite my protestations, I believe the city does, did for a time have a reasonable reason to keep things quiet. You know, I, I guess what I'm saying is um, the city said in its response, hey, listen, we can't answer you right now, but we're going to answer you later. Right. And so, and, and here are the reasons why. And um, although I disagree with how broadly they painted that brush, um, I think they're right that there are exceptions to the open records rules, right? And there are delays that the city can use. And so um, I think there was no violation until they made those delays excessive or withheld information beyond the reasons for the delay, if that makes sense. So I think it's a clean issue, like um, it's a clean issue from March 30th to April 7 or April 12 to today, really, because some of these records are outstanding. But um, it's a, uh, because, because now they have no excuse, right? Before they had a reason. And so you could argue that the city was not in violation and there was no violation until, say, April excuse me, March 30th. I disagree with that view, but that's the city's view. And so if we're going to take that position that the city had an excuse until March 30th, then that's why that excuse evaporates on March 30th. And that's why my I didn't ask earlier, right? Like I intended to, because I just was tired of waiting, but I, I sort of, I have small children and work and stuff and I was busy, but I also think I would have lost, right? Like in retrospect, I think the release of the DA's report makes clear that the city no longer has any excuse. And therefore it's possible that my complaint was not ripe until March 30th. I don't know if that answers your question. Mostly, <laughs> thank you. Did you have any follow-ups, Commissioner Montgomery? No, I'm, I'm good with Mr. Fraser for right now. Okay. All right, um, well, seeing no other hands up, I have just a few questions and then 
uh, we can continue around if anyone has any follow-ups from there. Um, so we've already talked about sort of what you think was included in your request that was not ultimately included in that April 12th records release. Um, and there were a couple other aspects of it that I had questions about. Um, in that records release, did, did you see anything along the lines of sort of notes or calendar appointments outside of, um, you know, the confines of like a police report stating this conversation happened on X date. Um, Cause I believe your request also included notes, calendar appointments. It was sort of broadly written like a civil discovery request would be. Um, did, you, did you receive anything like that at any point? No, uh, sorry, no. Can you, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I saw the, correct. I, the, the most, um, most responsive part of that has been the, you know, the, the, the police department's file and the PDF form. Uh, but no, the answer is no. Um, and I also want to point out that I intentionally, as is obvious, I made that request broad with the idea that I would get a call from somebody saying, oh gosh, please, can you narrow this? And I would say, absolutely, yes. Let's talk about what makes sense to respond. Uh, but I never got that call. I, Mr. Cohen did call me, um, but uh, that was after I already filed a uh, complaint. That was another question that I had. Um, sometimes uh, when a matter comes to hearing here, we actually don't have the full background of the conversations between the parties, obviously, other than what's included in the, in the briefing. Um, so uh, a question I had to that extent was sort of what conversations did you have with the city kind of leading up to the complaint or even in this time between the complaint and hearing regarding records that were released or were not released? Yeah, so I think you can tell if you if you manage through Mr. Cohen's exhibits that uh, generally our correspondence would be, so I, I found the initial re request on the day Mario died. Uh, about every month, I would get an email from uh, the paralegal in the department saying, still no, we'll still get back to you. And I would write back angry and say, this is total baloney, like just send the records. And that continued for about 11 months. And then um, uh, as of then, so then timeline wise, the, what's important and since really just been in the last month, which was April 7th, she had promised to send me a report. It was like right? And so I, I sent my email where I said, hey, are you gonna send me a status report? And uh, then she wrote back and said, same status essentially, right? Report complete. And then like three hours later, I got a BCC email, which I included in my reply, uh, which said, oh, actually the report is out. So we will be responding to public records requests now. I never got the follow-up on April 12th that I think went to a lot of folks. Uh, I then, a friend of mine, the HuffPost article, which linked to the report. And then um, I said, so then I filed my complaint shortly thereafter. So that, that was on the 7th. I filed my report, my complaint on the 13th. And I said to the clerk, like, hey, if you want to talk through, like, feel free to give me a call. So then I got a call from Mr. Cohen, I want to say on like the 15th or so, I, I don't actually have the date in front of me. 
and we had a pleasant conversation and uh, we ended that conversation by me having the task. I took on the task to say, you know, I don't, I, I care about specific things. I don't want to break the city here. These are, I care about specific things. I will come up with a list and send it to you. And I didn't do that. Instead, what happened is I thought about it overnight and I slept on it. And I thought about some of the things Mr. Cohen said to me in that conversation. And I, and I thought, I, that just can't be true. That just, I, in retrospect, I just, they didn't sit right. And so I, instead of saying, here are the specific things that I must have, I wrote to him and said, here are some of the things that I want, including text messages. And, and now I'm not sure that I think we're really going to work towards the same goal here. And so I think it makes sense to go before the OGC so that the public can be part of this process. Um, and then Mr. Cohen wrote back and said, you know, I'm sorry that sort of you've, you got the impression that I wasn't honest with you, uh, but, you know, I'll see you at the OGC. And that was essentially it. Please chime in, but I think that was some of our community. Yeah, we had. A, I thought we had a very reasonable discussion. Thank you. Um, then there was a. There's been mention of you having received some text messages in response to uh, completely separate PRAs. Is that that's correct? So there were text messages, but it was completely like outside of the scope of this. Yeah, exactly. So I would argue that those text messages were responsive to this request as well, uh, though they were never produced in response to the request. Instead, what happened was I sent a second request in, say, I think maybe made reference to the city of San Jose case. Oh, you're breaking said, up a little bit. Oh, I just need a new microphone, huh? <laughs> um, Can you sorry. lean forward? It's a bit better. Okay, that's so interesting. Um, so I sent a request in, uh, sorry, Mr. Cohen, you said, what was it? A April 29th. Oh, April 29th. Okay, so I only 12 days later, but it felt like months. Um, and I said, please send me all the text messages. So that was an April 29th request separate from the April, uh, April 19th request. Uh, 10 days later, excuse me, not 12. Okay. And in what you received... So it sounds like you think some of the texts that you received in response to that request were potentially responsive to this one, but yes, at no point were, did you actually get a direct response to this one. Is that stating things correctly? Okay. hundred percent. Yes. Um, and there was another email in the file. Um, I won't call it a separate request uh, in which you clarified that you were asking for records related to the decision of officers to go door to door um, regarding the memorial on April 21st. Did you ever receive records like that from the city at any time? So interestingly, I believe the city has been responsive to that on April 12th, 2022. So included in its public uh, on the webpage is a, um, is audio only of of one officer going door to door. Um, and it's labeled something like, you know, officer making rounds or something. I mean, it's, it's fairly easy to identify because um, there's only a handful of files. So I would say yes to that. Though, I mean, I, I think technically, you know, the message that said, hey, we should go door to door and tell everyone they're having a memorial, but whoever, 
directed that officer to go out and conduct those. That that was a communication of sorts. I suppose it could have been a direct phone call of which there was minimal records. But if it were, say, a terminal message that said, hey, we should go door to door in the neighborhood, I believe that would have been a responsive record. And that was not produced, if that makes sense. It does. And we'll definitely have some questions about that. Um, a, a related question I have is, is in your initial records request, your phrasing is, um, I want to get it right. Um, the phrasing is all records created relating to the incident described in case number 21-01762. Um, did you intend by using the phrase like the incident described, did you intend to just get the sort of the, the police record file of that case number or were you envisioning something broader. It seems like you were envisioning something broader given your clarification of the types of documents you were looking for, but I'm curious just conceptually what else it was that you thought would fall under that. Uh, yes, I was envisioning something broader. Um, I was envisioning, uh, I, I guess what I was trying to do was I was really, I mean, it had just happened. Um, and I was concerned that if I said something like the murder of, of the innocent man today, then the city would say, well, there was no murder, which is a crime. And we say there was no crime. And so therefore there are no responsive requests or no responsive documents. So I uh, referred to it indirectly by the case number, which was in a tweet by the city, uh, by the APD, excuse me, as a way of saying this thing that happened, everything related to this thing. Um. I think those are all my questions for the complainant. Um, does anybody else, Vice Chair Chen, anyone else have any questions for complainant at this time? Okay. Um, don't go too far away, Mr. Fraser, because there <laughs> sometimes we, we are just in, experimenting with this back and forth between um, questions for each side at a time. Um, all right, Mr. Cohen, thank you for your patience. Um, Commissioners, does anyone want to begin with their questions for the city? Commissioner Camper, go ahead. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, so Mr. Cohen, could you describe the procedure that, or if you could have the chief describe the procedure when a California Public Records Act request actually comes in and how documents would be identified. And I'll use documents and records in the broadest sense um, as Mr. Frazier's complaint had asked. Uh, yes, I mean the the. I don't know if the chief is online, but I, you know, having worked on most of these, I can say that what happens is, um, depending upon where it goes, if it goes to Laura, for instance, as as it did in this particular case, the city the city clerk, um, it would then be sent by Laura to the police department, um, and then the police department would start gathering the records. And to the extent they had legal questions about what they were gathering or what would be disclosed, they would then contact me. So the first I want, step would I want be to back up, for, back up for just, excuse me for interrupting, but no, what no. Is, I'm interested in, how would an individual officer or an individual employee know that there was a records request of a specific nature? we would work through the captains and the captains would then uh, would then let that officer know 
whether or not there was, you know, if there was a record pertaining to that officer. Okay, so is there, um, that seems like you're trying to write that the process identifies an individual officer versus letting the entire department know if you have any information that maybe an officer that actually wasn't involved with the incident might have gotten some text message or might have gotten something that would be responsive. So I'm asking, yeah, how, how does the department cast that net as wide to be able to catch those things possibly? I can't answer that question. Okay. Um, but um, if it were, I can give you the example of text messages. You know, if, if it were, and I'll give you the, the, the Clemens text message question um, mm -hmm. right at the outset. If it were, we want to see any text by Charlie Clemens around the time of the incident, we, I would contact the department. The department would then ask Mr. Clemens if it, if it, because I know for a fact, Mr. Clemens does not have a city issued cell phone. They would ask Mr. Clemens to produce the records to him, to the department. And then if he did that, I would then, or the city would then disclose those records. Okay. Um, does the department issue any kind of statement of due diligence back to the city attorney's office or to the complainant? No. Okay. I don't believe that is the practice, but I, the, the, the department does do a diligent job collecting the records. Okay. Uh, next up then is if something is withheld, technically the, the requester doesn't know the nature of what's being withheld. In this particular case, it was just a very broad, we're going to rely on the penal code and not release anything at all. So there's no knowledge at all. Like, well, you're hiding everything and there's absolutely nothing that could be disclosed earlier that might not be covered by the penal code. It's important to recognize that the, the under the Public Records Act, there's two responsibilities or there's a two-step process whenever somebody submits a Public Records Act request. Um, it's First, the city is supposed to evaluate whether or not it, it possesses responsive records. And then if it does possess responsive records, it's supposed to issue a determination saying, we're gonna release some of it, we're gonna release none of it, we're gonna release all of it, okay? And then there's the duty of uh, producing the records. What the Public Records Act does not require is that you create records, that you that you say, unlike, unlike the discovery process in civil litigation, there, um, the Public Records Act is very clear. You do not create a privilege log. You do not say, hey, we're, you know, we're holding this back or we're holding this back. We're just saying, you know, and especially at the time when there's a pending criminal investigation, um, what it requires that you do is stay out of the DA's way. Basically, you know, you say we're not releasing anything connected with this investigation, anything connected with the Gonzalez incident, because there are a number of investigations exploring similar topics, and we can't release anything until those investigations are complete. Understood. And then the process of redaction. And so if a person makes a Public Records Act request, and then there is something blocked out, granted, you don't need to do a privilege law, how does a person know then that they are, that, that that information would be exempt? We would put it in the determination letter. Like we have produced these documents 
And as, as we said, actually, when we ultimately put the Gonzalez information up on the city's website, it says that certain information was redacted to pretend, protect the identity and the privacy rights of third parties, including juveniles. I see. Uh, let's see. And so uh, the, I guess the final question was that according to the district attorney in the letter that was transmitted to the chief, the investigation actually was concluded on March 30th, as far as the district attorney was concerned. We, I, you know, all I can say is it, it says what it says, but I think we made the determination that, that until the district attorney had finally issued her report to the public, it was, it, it could be changed. It could be, you know, we wanted to sort of just defer to the district attorney and let the district attorney make it public. And then once the district attorney had issued it to the public, then we would go ahead and as quickly as possible, we'll disclose everything that, that we could. Okay. And once that letter became public, and I know I had it here, but I can't find it on my tablet. What was the date that you actually disclosed the, the broad amount of information that was covered under the privilege before? We found out about five o'clock, six o'clock on um, April 7th that the Huffington Post had obtained a copy. I'm, I'm just, this is the truth, uh, that, that the Huffington Post had obtained a copy of the report and, be, and they were quoting from it. And so we made the determination that since the DA had, somebody had released the report to the Huffington Post that the investigation was concluded, it was done. And then we released all, everything to the public on April 12th. The delay was partially caused by the fact that our, our, our PIO was on vacation and the rest of us don't know how to upload stuff to the website. <laughs> I'm trying to be as transparent as I possibly can be. <laughs> so, but someone in the police department did actually have the records that eventually would have gone to Sarah to be uploaded to the website, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think that's all the questions I have at the moment. Thank you, Commissioner Canberra. Is it uh, possible for me to respond to the, the the text message issue and the um that was raised? Well, I can wait. I can wait. Let's. I I see Commissioner Montgomery with her hand up, and um, we'll go through her questions. Then we can uh, circle back on that one, and I'm sure some others will have questions too. Commissioner Montgomery, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, I I who makes the decisions about what type of records are released and when, because early on the, the body cam footage was released, which seems to show the incident that we're talking about. I hate to keep calling it the incident, the death of Mr. Gonzalez, let's do that. That makes me feel more comfortable. Um, that shows that I, I was, I, I've, I saw it early on, but then suddenly so many other records couldn't be released and it, it didn't make sense to me why certain things are released, but why other things weren't released. And so I'd like to know who makes that decision and are, is that decision um, reviewed as, as said in the email that they would review it because the emails the chain of emails kept feeling to me back to Mr. Fraser, like, you know, there were copy and paste, just a copy and paste, a copy and paste, a robotic answer for the same thing. Um, and I'm wondering, like, what are the time periods that those actual files were reviewed? What can we release now? Can we release anything else now? Can we release anything else now? Or was it just one big chunk? 
So two things. No, it, we, who makes those decisions, and then how often are they reviewed for release? The decisions. The decisions about whether or not. All right. The, it depends on whether it's a discretionary decision or a mandatory decision. In cases of a discretionary decision, whereas you don't want to interfere with the DA's investigation, the uh, that determination rests with the custodian of records, which in this case is the chief of police. Um, and um, so the decisions were made by two different chief, chiefs of police um, to withhold uh, production of information until the conclusion of the district attorney's um, investigation. Uh, and then the second question was about time oh, for reviewing. Yes, there were frequent discussions. I, I don't know if they had if there were discussions internally, but but I prefer not to reveal attorney-client confidences. But 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 I do know that there were a number of discussions about wh whether or not anything could be released. And I think the, the ultimate decision was let's stay out of the way of the district attorney's investigation and, and try not to release any more information. Ultimately, the decision about what to release and when to release it um, rests on the shoulders of the city manager's office and. Um, on the chief of police who were tasked with um, determining, you know, the evaluating the various public interest concerns. So the, the emails back and forth about the determinations in my mind should later be released because they are part of the case and I didn't see any of those. I'm are, not are aware. They, are there no emails um, saying that, that a thing is gonna happen or anything? Not that I'm aware of. Interesting. There were a number of discussions, but but without, uh, typically without going into attorney-client communications. Is it uh, not your experience that typically in, in when we have these kind of discussions, there are notes taken, um, you know, just so direction is given? No. No. Okay. Well, at least there weren't in this case. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Montgomery. Do you have any other questions at this time? Okay. Um, let's see here. Mr. Cohn, if you wanted to go ahead, you can, uh, I'll go ahead and pose the question. I hope it doesn't eat into my time of, uh, we heard a lot about text messages just a moment ago um, and that separate request. Did you have any response? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to address the text messages and then I think Mr. Frazier was also talking about mobile data terminals. I'm, I'm sort of stepping out of my lane, but I want I want the public and I want the commission to understand what happens in the immediate aftermath of a critical incident. Okay, there is a protocol that that you are supposed to follow. That it, it's a protocol established by by Alameda County, and there are policies that you can look up um, on the city's website related to what happens in the aftermath of a critical incident. And in the immediate aftermath, phones are taken. Um, officers are, are sequestered from one another because you don't want, because this is a criminal investigation and you don't want them sort of sharing perceptions of what happened. You were, um, their officers are directed, do not communicate with one another. Um, you were just involved in an incident. You, you know, don't send emails, don't do anything. Wait until, you know, people are going to come in and they're going to interview you. 
And in order to preserve the integrity of the investigation, we want your recollections of events to, to be based on your own memories and not on memories of like sort of contacting other people. So there's the, the reason why there's no text messages and the reason why there's um, why none of that really occurred were, was because that's that's the way in a critical incident situation, the protocol goes down. It's like you are not supposed to talk about an ongoing criminal investigation with your colleagues because it could prejudice the process. Thank you for that follow-up, um, which raises some of its own questions. Um, Vice Chair Chen, I see you with your hand up. Uh, yes, it kind of brings to mind um, another case we had previously that basically when you ask the custodian of the records to provide you with the records, if the custodian doesn't provide you with the complete records, there seems to be no recourse, except um, I was told last time it was on, based on the honor system. I'm just making a comment is, have you found that sometimes there might be employees or people who, who refuse to disclose a, um, a PRA request? I, I haven't had that problem as a general rule. I mean, I, I have pretty good relationships with my clients and, and, and they're pretty forthcoming with me and I'm pretty forthcoming with them. And, if I, I, I anticipate that if I ask them to produce records, they're going to produce records that are going to do a diligent search and, and provide it to me. I, but that's all I can do. <laughs> Again, this is part of the Public Records Act. The Public Records Act doesn't is specific about not requiring you to create records. So if we were to do some sort of attestation, it, it, it could be problematic. That's all I'm saying. And but I, I have to believe that, you know, the people that I'm dealing with are operating in good faith. Any follow-up questions, Vice Chair Chen? Any other questions for me? No, no. I mean, this kind of feels like a little loophole, right? <laughs> oh, well, we'll save that for deliberations. <laughs> right. That's all. That's um, okay, Commissioner Camber, I see your... I guess for a follow up, yeah, follow up to Commissioner Chen's question though. Um, can you, Attorney Cohen, could you talk about the officer's obligation um, about honesty as an officer and the consequences of not being honest? Right. If 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 an officer were to withhold data, were to do something, for example, like cut the uh, the the BWC up. I'm using cut metaphorically. Um, that would be grounds for termination, would be grounds for discipline up to and including termination. Officers are, you know, when, when you request information, they are required to disclose it. They are required to provide it. They're required to, to be truthful at all times. And if they're not being truthful, then they can be disciplined and terminated. Thank you. And the people who oversee the Alameda Police Departments um, records release policy and the day-to-day -day management are sworn peace officers who are charged with, with, with being completely truthful. Vice Chair Chen, I see another question from you. Yes, uh, no, I, I recall uh, that um, I guess last year the police department was asked for, requested and got uh, 
a budget item for a, a police data analyst. Was that position ever filled? Because it seems like that position would be somebody who compiles some of the data for public records requests as well. Again, I'm just a lawyer. This is, you know, I don't oversee the police department. I don't have any policy role with regard to them. So I can't, I can't speak to that. I just, I'm just a lawyer. <laughs> because that, that was one of the big priorities that uh, the reform commission had. Not yet. Oh, thank you. And um, Mr. Cohen, I, I, I do see your client potentially here as an attendee to the extent you want to. Uh, I'd love to have the chief Joshi at any point. Um, that is something we are, we are definitely open to bringing witnesses into this. Um, I would so love I, that to occur if that's at all possible. Is that a chief much assistant? more effective response to some of these questions than, than, than the dumb lawyer sitting here? Chief Assistant City Attorney or Madam Clerk, is that um, is there any reason that wouldn't be allowable? I just I, I, I note Chief Joshi in our functional waiting room here on Zoom, and uh, I know in the past there's been reference to bringing witnesses in for questions. Um, I mean, he is here. Uh, we can put him in, and then he, you can see if you have questions directly for him. Chief Assistant City Attorney Mackenzie, any concerns with that procedure? Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at our um, procedures, our um, hearing procedures. I'm pretty sure it says evidence as well as arguments. We just yeah. check. Does it? I know I have commissioner questioning of parties and witnesses if needed, which is what led me to think it was allowable, but I also think in the, um, the interest of fairness and no ambushing, um, you know, we'll, we'll let Chief Josie kind of weigh in as he sees fit uh, in joining uh, Mr. Cohen, you're a much more freewheeling attorney than I am. Evidence, if I'm not mistaken. Does it say appear, um, I'm sorry, I'm like um, checking to see the Perhaps one thing we could do is commissioners, maybe you could think about if there's a question that you've posed so far that you think um, uh, an evidence coming in from a witness may be helpful for you in decision-making and um, we can carry on uh, with Mr. Cohn and then- uh, it, it, Sorry. Go ahead. It does, it does uh, the, or um, I was just checking our revised sunshine ordinance. It does say um, present evidence, so. The, part, the commission shall provide the parties with the opportunity to file written materials, present evidence and make arguments. So yes, evidence is permitted. So I would, evidence in the form of, of witnesses is certainly um, uh, allowable in court. So I would say a plain reading would say that evidence in the form of witness testimony here would be acceptable. And in, in the interest of transparency, I would definitely encourage the commission to ask questions directly. <coughs> Okay, well, um, Madam Clerk, I don't know if you have a, a way of connecting with Chief Joshi separately to be sure he's actually here, uh, but assuming he is, I would say let's go ahead and uh, promote him into the room, and um, then perhaps commissioners, as we ask questions, we can open it up to either Mr. Cohen as the city's advocate or to uh, Chief Joshi. Welcome, Chief Joshi. Thank you for joining us. Um, 
Thank you for being here. Uh, and I have certainly lost track of what questions that have been asked so far. Uh, Commissioner Canberra has one at the ready. Okay, great. Go ahead, Mr. Well, actually, I'm going to kind of ask the questions that I asked of Attorney Cohen because, Chief, I think you probably have better understanding of your procedures for securing information. So, uh, could you briefly uh, just describe how you would respond to a public re records request, how your officers and staff would know that that had actually had a request to come into APD? Sure. Um, good evening, Madam Chair and the entire um, commission here. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, present information to help with uh, this complaint. Um, as to the question on how public records requests are handled by APD, when the requests come in, they come in from the city clerk. Um, they're immediately forwarded to our records supervisor, the captain who oversees the Bureau of Support Services, and myself. Um, it's then logged in records. And uh, let me back up. Also included in that notification is the city attorney's office, um, as well as the city manager. Um, that public records request, the details of that are logged and entered. And then as Mr. Cohen said earlier, the uh, department endeavors to um, gather all the requests. And before information is pushed out, we, uh, we may consult with the city attorney's office to ensure we're not, that we're uh, properly complying with the request that's, that's being made and that we're not violating any statutes, ordinances or things of that nature. Um, and then we comply with the request as, as appropriate. So there's been some question about um, possible records on mobile terminals, I think, and cell phone text messages. How would the department be able to know that those things existed? So, well, I, I, let me let me lead with this. Um, when this incident happened, I, I hadn't started working for the uh, Alameda Police Department until almost two months later. So I don't know in this specific incident how exactly that request came in. Um, but I can tell you generally that any type of information, um, so the department issued cell phones are, are, are city and department property. And so access to that, uh, we can access the information immediately um, and, and, and you know, gather the, the necessary information. But as to this specific incident, I, I, can't, I can't speak um, because I wasn't here at the time of the incident when it occurred. I see, okay. And then last question, it's my understanding that it's the department policy in one of these incidents that the involved staff are put on administrative leave? Uh, that's correct. Uh, the officers were placed on administrative leave in this in this case, and, and they currently remain on administrative leave. So it is possible that there would be no communications or text messages because they weren't employed or they were employed, but not in active duty at the time. Um, so they, they could still, you know, they have, so I, I don't know these officers if they have personal cell phones, but it's possible that they, they, they can still communicate using their personal cell phones. However, um, and again, I, I don't know what processes occurred here, but from my previous um, experiences and best practices is that officers are sequestered, um, their cell phones are secured, um, and, and then even during the investigation, they're asked if they've um, had any types of communications with anyone regarding uh, the incident that they were involved in. Okay, thank you. My pleasure.
Thank you. Um, I see Commissioner Montgomery's hand was up. Did you want to uh, ask a few questions, Commissioner Montgomery? I do. Thank you, Chief, for joining us. I seem to always be quizzing you about something. Uh, My um, pleasure, Commissioner. <laughs> this time, I'm going to ask the same question that I that I asked to Mr. Cohen. Um, who makes the decisions about what records are released and when? Um, specifically, I'm thinking, and, I, and I'm not sure what time frame how this overlaps when you were there or not, but the body cam footage was released, but a lot of other data was not allowed to be re released. Um, and so I'm just wondering, like, who makes that decision about what gets released? And, um, and then how often the release of data per the request is is actually reviewed, you know, like on a, on a monthly basis or as the case is moving on. And um, and then who does that? Like, who is the person actually responsible? You say we do it, and I'm kind of like trying to drill down to whose whose job is it to to do those things. Sure. Okay. So again, I, I apologize for this uh, early uh, uh, statement I'm going to make, but I will. I'll, I'll be able to answer your question. But let me lead with this. Again, I don't know how the decision was made on releasing body cam footage on this particular incident. However, the release of any uh, information, any data, any type of information, it's it is that decision is uh, is owned by the department, and that's that is the Alameda Police Department. Um, now, those decisions occur in consult with the city attorney's office to ensure that we are complying with what's being requested and to make sure that we're not violating any laws. Now, um, I can tell you in general, in, in practice, um, police departments understand that incidents of this magnitude, the public has questions, the public has interest in this, understandably so. And there's a balancing act that occurs, meaning the department has to take great caution in looking at and considering what information is going to be released and what information can be released without compromising uh, any ongoing investigations. And so it's important to not, you know, you can't just have the early on stop. You have to con consistently be making these reviews. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the statute says every 30 days you have to con uh, consistently review that to ensure that the that nothing's changed and that there's still an investigative interest. Um, now, that just means that information or data would be delayed. Withholding permanently, um, that's that's not the intent of, of the statute. And so going back to your question as far as how that decision was made to release body cam footage in this, I can only speculate that the intent was to provide some information, some context of what occurred in this very tragic uh, event. Um, but when things were withheld, it was um, because uh, there was an ongoing criminal and administrative investigation going. Thank you. Um, one other question, um, are, has all of the data now been released? Is it done? Is that everything you're going to release have been released? To Mr. Fraser, and that's the end. There, so the uh, uh, administrative investigation has not been released. Okay, so there's still more coming. Yes, that is correct. Thank you. Thank you, and um, Vice Chair Chen, I see your hand up. <clears throat> yeah, it's a follow up to uh, Commissioner Montgomery's question. Um, 
there are uh, Chief Joshi. <laughs> there are outstanding investigations, um, and I'm just curious as to what are the each of those outstanding investigations looking for. What are what are they investigating? Sure. Okay, so I can tell you that um, the criminal investigation is um, was being conducted by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. They look to conduct a preliminary and follow-up investigation. They prepare a case packet um, for the district attorney's office to review. So that's the first body that, that initiates the investigation. Or There are several concurrent investigations that are occurring. So let me back up there. They don't go in any specific order, but they all kind of occur at the same time, but there are some delays. So the district attorney cannot do their investigation until they've re received a case packet from the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. So that's the criminal investigation that's done. And then it's reviewed by the district attorney's office to consider for charging. At the same time, there's an administrative investigation that is done by the police department. And typically that's the last investigation because the police department, uh, um, it, the, I'm sorry, the administrative investigation is looking for policy violations, training opportunities, um, and, and is investigating whether the officer's conduct was in alignment with departmental policies. And then there's another investigation that occurs and that is by the, um, in this particular case, uh, that was done by the coroner's office to determine, to understand um, cause of death. So those are the four investigations that were occurring. Any further so questions? Remind me, I, I, I'm the, um, the criminal investigation is done. Is that correct? Th that's correct. The Alameda County Sheriff's office completed their criminal investigation. They presented to the district attorney's office to consider for charging. The district attorney's office is complete with their uh, assessment of the case. Uh, and then the coroner's report was completed uh, before um, the criminal investigation and the DA reviewed the case. So the only thing that's outstanding is the administrative investigation. And again, the when I say administrative investigation, I'm talking about the internal affairs investigation, the policy um, review of officer's conduct. And that's the one being headed up by uh, Louise Rennie? That's correct. Thank you. Okay, I see Commissioner Tilos with his hand raised and then I'll pepper in a few questions here and we'll continue going around. Commissioner Tilos, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Chief Johnson, can you talk about uh, the redaction policies and give a little more detail on that? Um, I know Mr. Frazier talked about the video that was out there and he said, you know, someone went to great lengths to, you know, redact every license plate number is that the usual you know redaction policy that's taken or is it just because this was a high profile case and you know uh, mr cohen also talked about how we don't want juveniles to be you know having their faces in it can you just go more detail on the whole redaction policy it's like were special things done just for this case or is this all the time someone's going to go in and take off every single license plate number that you know, in the so many minutes of footage that is out there. Sure. So the department and best practices uh, look to redact information that could um, give information on uninvolved people or, or um, we, the intent is to uh, um, have privacy considerations. I think 
1421 speaks to that. Uh, I, uh, as far as uh, redact, how to, how to redact um, or how to um, um, remove specific information that isn't germane to the actual uh, what what's what the, um, the the public records request is actually asking for. Uh, so I, I think that in this particular case, I looked at the things that were redacted, and I didn't see any of it to be outside of what I've seen in the past. And um, I've been a police officer for 24 years. Um, I've I've overseen IA investigations for at least the past 10 years. Uh, so I so I didn't see anything that was out of the ordinary. Thank you. Okay, I'll take advantage of this pause and other commissioner questions with a few. Um, Chief Joshi, I have to apologize for, for bringing you up because most of my questions are actually gonna be for uh, Mr. Cohen, most likely. Um, one question I had looking at this, uh, you mentioned the sort of collective decision to defer to the, the you know, when the DA would issue information to the public. Um, when was the paralegal, uh, Ms. Cooper, informed of that March 30th decision that the Alameda County DA would not be prosecuting? Do you know? Do I you know? was there. I was present when it was, it was when somebody tweeted out, basically, that the Huffington Post had released the report. So that, that evening? It was at 6 o'clock on April 7th. That was the first time that Ms. Cooper became aware that not that it was going public, but that the decision had been made not to prosecute. I can't speak for Mrs. Co uh, for, for Ms. Cooper, but that's when we realized that's when we became aware that the report had been released. Yes. Okay. Um, and my question is, I'll be transparent here too. Is is going to Ms. Cooper's sort of pro forma uh, cut and paste response that mirrored the prior months just a few hours earlier that afternoon, and wanting to ensure my understanding. I had assumed was that surely nobody knew about this March 30th transmission of DA O'Malley's report that maybe that was actually sent by mail or for some reason, but it sounds like everybody was actually aware and you were sort of deferring and waiting for the DA to go public. And so I guess my question is just, were the people responsible for responding to the public records request, actually communicating with the requester aware that that decision was coming out in a few days or was there just no awareness at all? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I walked in with one inference and then some things you were saying kind of shifted me. So um, the other question I had is, is also very specific. The link to responsive records that went out on um, April 12th of this year, um, just alerting presumably a group of requesters that, that records had been posted. Um, were you able to check if that had been submitted to specifically to Mr. Frazier? I, I haven't. And I'll, I'll say that when I when I attached that email to my submission, I couldn't figure out how to like there was a technical issue. I kept printing it out because it had all the BCs. The BCs are in it electronically, but when you print it out, the BCs don't show up. So. I just couldn't figure out how to do it. I'm happy to go back and check. And, you know, and if, if, if Mr. Fraser wasn't, he should have been in the BCs, but if he, he wasn't, you know, I'm, I apologize for that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I was definitely thinking of that in our metadata discussion earlier. Yeah. 
Um, and he's right about that. I mean, we're, we're I'm happy to produce metadata, but but there was no intent to sort of like hide anything. I just honestly couldn't figure out how to print it out. Got it. Um, and the other question I had the and the group of BCC recipients there. Um, I've been assuming that's because they all submitted PRA requests on a similar topic. Were they identical PRA requests? I can't speak to that. They were all, you know, they were all people who had written to the city asking for disclosure of information pertaining to Mario Gonzalez. Okay. Um, there were a lot. <laughs> so I, I would, yeah, I mean, a lot. Could you give us a sense of the volume, actually? That's helpful in, in understanding of Dozens and dozens is about the best I can say. Okay. Okay. Um, my next question was going to be, did anyone directly consult the language of Mr. Fraser's actual request in the yes. analytical process of what to release? Yes. Okay. Um, and then uh, another very specific... Um, Ms. Cooper's March 7th email says that the investigation file contained over a thousand files comprising 6.51 gigs of data. Is that what was ultimately posted on the website? I, I would honestly have to look. I, it should have been. I, I don't, I'm not technically adept at figuring out. All I know is, it, it, you know, is it, what the files contained. I, I can check and see if that matches up with I guess, I guess my, and maybe you can see withhold this anything. I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Was, was it, was it the full, when she references the investigation file is huge, right? Was ultimately that huge investigation file, what was put onto the website without anything yep. withheld other than redactions. Um, yep. Okay. Then, um, was your, is it the city's position that, that the records that were ultimately posted on the website were the full and complete extent of disclosable responsive records to Mr. Frazier's request? No. Okay. Uh, we, we, we released the, the, the city's investigation report, but the, the, um, as I told Mr. Frazier when we were on the phone, the, I, I, as far as the ACSO's portion of those documents, I advised him to contact ACSO and get them to reduce, uh, produce their information. And then on the administrative investigation, you've already heard from the chief, that is just not complete. And when that is complete, we will, we will produce everything. And I believe that a lot of those questions that, that, that were positive here will be answered once that's taken place. Okay. Um, Thank you. So I guess my question should have been a little more specific of was what was released on the website, the full and complete extent of disclosable responsive records that are able to be produced right now that are actually in the city's possession. Yes. Okay. Um, and was, we'd asked Mr. Frazier this, the specific request about sort of records related to the decision to speak to neighbors, informing them about a memorial on April 21st, 2021. Um, were all of the records that could be responsive to that released on the website? 
as part of that sort of to the document. extent records existed related to that they were produced uh, nothing was withheld okay okay um and but they they were delayed to be released with the rest of the investigation file i'm sorry i'm trying to those yeah so the what i'm trying what i'm curious about here um is mr fraser sent another email saying that he was clarifying he wanted records related to the decision for officers to go door to door in the surrounding area to inform neighbors about the memorial um two days after the incident mm -hmm. and then so my i'm curious about were those records withheld to be released with the investigation file because they were part of the investigation file or were they released at some earlier time I I can't I can't I can't speak okay. to that. I know that I that 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 the email was forwarded to the department and we they were asked to produce all records that were responsive and I don't believe there were any records indicating other than the one that Mr. Fraser already reviewed. Okay. Okay. Um, I was just going to I was just going to answer the factual question, if that's OK. Yeah, please. <laughs> which is, I think that I think at least as far as I understand the records that have been produced in response to that clarification that you're asking about, Commissioner or Chair, um, those records were produced April 12th, 2022. And the as far as I know, the only manner in which they've been produced has not been any written communication or any terminal messages, but only the audio that I mentioned. That's my understanding. So the answers to your question are the only parts they produced have been the audio and it was produced April 12th, 2022. I believe that on information and belief, that's what yeah, I think. That is, he, he's correct. Okay, thank you. Collaborative effort. I appreciate it. Thank you both. Um, so, uh, and I guess we can just kind of, I, I think just to confirm, it sounds like there's not really a dispute at this point over, but I'll just confirm with you, Mr. Cohen, that of the materials that were posted on April 12th, they were in their original form other than redactions yeah. to protect personal information of third party and, and potentially also medical privacy. That's um, entirely correct. Okay. Um, I, I want to just get one other thing clarified around, is it the city's position that like all raw information that could have related to the incident described in the initial police case file was exempt from disclosure because it was part of the investigation file? I know you have to cast a wide net. I'm just curious yeah, if you can speak I a mean, little bit to that distinction. Look, I, I can only speak to Without, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this without breaching my duty of confidentiality. I, you know, I, the best example, the best way I can respond basically is the department didn't know what the DA, you know, what facts the DA was going to consider relevant. The department didn't know, for example, about Mr. Clemens, you know, the, 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 the allegation earlier was that the DA didn't investigate him. Well, I don't think the department had any idea you know, whether or not the DA was investigating Charlie Clemens or not investigating Charlie Clemens. We, we, this was a, like I said, there was a lot of daylight between what the DA was doing and what the police department was doing. And that's to preserve the integrity of the process that, so 
hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, I think it does. Thank you. Um, and I'll skip over some of my specific statutory questions from the emails, but um, I, let me just add one little thing. I just want I, and this is also common sense. We did honestly, we didn't know what information the DA was going to consider relevant. So yes, we took a broad brush that anything connected with the Mario Gonzalez incident, we wanted to let the process play out before we, we disclosed anything, but we, we searched for the universe of records, but we held records back until April 12, 2022. Okay, thank you. Um, and I'll ask really quick, do any other commissioners have any other questions for either of our parties or witness? Okay. Um, I have some legal questions I might save for our staff, but I think then, with that, we may have uh, concluded our extensive round of, of questioning. Um, thank you uh, to both of our parties and to Chief Joshi for, uh, for being with us here. Uh, hopefully we will all have many, many notes on what we've learned and, and continue in our discussions. Um, at this stage, we would take public comment. Um, commissioners, I'm looking for just some nods here. I'm inclined to take a recess after public comment. Can we get through public comment so that our patient, patient members of the public can be heard? Okay, um, thank you for the nods. All right, well, with that, um, Madam Clerk, do we have any speakers who would like to provide public comment at this stage? We, we do, we have two. All right. The first one is Janice Anderson. Welcome Speaker Anderson. Um, good evening. Uh, full disclosure, I am personally invested in this complaint and this case. Um, I am personally affiliated with the Gonzalez family. I meet with them on a weekly to monthly basis. Um, so forgive me if I'm a little um, emotional. Um, I understand that the city classified Clemens as a witness, maybe to reduce liability or scrutiny. Um, I don't personally see how letting an off-duty off parking tech participate in a use of force is any less egregious if you call him a witness, but maybe it worked since none of the media seems to have picked up on this. Um, but at some point there had to have been a lot of paper, paperwork involved in essentially letting a civilian help kill a person. Um, there's more information about his involvement in the DA's report than the city's documents. Um, there's some mention of his abrasions um, in the police report, but that's about it. Um, I believe even there it calls him a witness, not a participant. Um, no one is interested in exposing juvenile witnesses, but the public should be interested in three supposedly experienced cops letting a civilian help restrain someone to the extent that they received abrasions from it and the person died. But if he gets to participate as an employee of APD, then his records should have been released when the other officers' names were um, last April. But I also don't understand how you can say that the records uh, would be released pending an investigation, but then release all of this when there is still an investigation pending. I understand that the criminal is different than the administrative, but the administrative one is depend, like their employment is 
apparently dependent on this investigation. Um, so it, either you release all the all the information or you don't release all the information, but now we got some of the information before one of the investigations. Um, I also requested a lot of the same information that Aaron Fraser um, did with uh, the group that I'm affiliated with. And, um, you know, we got it the same time as him, but um, yeah, I just, I feel like there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, I'm not gonna call it a cover up because we knew a lot of this information, um, but not from the city. So the Clemens thing is really what uh, bothers me, but also the release. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk, do we have other speakers? We do, two more. Jennifer Rakowski. Welcome Speaker Rakowski. Hello, thank you. Um, there's a lot of complex legal issues here, but I'm gonna try and speak very plainly because I am not an attorney. Um, requesting records from our police department is a black hole. It has come up before in um, open government uh, committee. Um, I heartbreakingly tried to help uh, about five years ago, someone who uh, was having difficulty and then was charged with assault on the officer. Um, he ultimately withdrew his complaint, but it was uh, the issue became one of the time frame violation. I have filed public records requests with the police department simultaneous to ones with other departments and had the public ones for the police, even though they're identical requests, be lost. Um, and then the time frame shifted. Um, they claim that part of the reason is to protect unaffiliated or juveniles. Some of the records were about my own daughter as a juvenile, and there were still roadblocks put in front of getting those records when I was personally involved in the incident. And so um, you are going to make some judgments tonight. You are going to make hopefully some recommendations. What I can echo is that particularly when it comes to these police records, I have requests that I'm not even sure if they're opened or closed. They've been opened and closed and then closed incorrectly and then reopened. I don't know where they stand because the process when it's a police record is completely un understandable. Um, there are, they ping pong it between the city attorney and the police department um, until you're exhausted. And so I urge you to recognize the specifics of this complaint, but also recognize a systemic problem that is distinct and different from other city departments that needs to be addressed. And tonight is an opportunity to address it. Thank you. Thank you, Speaker Rakowski. Madam Clerk, do we have any other public comment? One more, Alexia Arocha. Good evening, Speaker Arocha. Good evening, everyone. Um, I understand that there isn't a duty to create a log and the incessant use of privilege that's been used tonight to 
not fully answer questions, but I feel that things aren't adding up like some have pointed out. Um, I echo everything that Ms. Anderson and Ms. Rakowski just said. And frankly, I don't buy the supposed lack of a paper trail. And I feel that more should have been provided and, and in a timely fashion. This parking officer helped murder Mario and did so also during a pandemic when there should have been no one doing ride along. So I find it incredibly problematic and don't believe that there was, you know, no information. Um, and I support Mr. Frazier's arguments. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk, do we have any other public comment speakers? We do not. Okay, with that, um, and thank you very much to our members of the public for being so patient. Um, and obviously to the, the, the parties and, and our witness for, for joining us, I would say we should take a 10 minute recess um, since we're at the two hour mark and uh, I guess resume here, I would show 907. Does that work for everyone? Yes. Okay, thank you very much. See you soon.
All right, welcome back commissioners and staff and all of our participants. Um, it occurred to me that I might not have taken closing statements. Did we get our two minute closing statements from the parties there? No, we didn't. We missed that step, sorry, yes. I was, uh, yeah, it was so, so many interesting things coming up. Um, Madam Clerk, I'm inclined to, uh, it, it looks like both of our- Still here. Parties are still here. I'm inclined to afford them that opportunity for the two minute closing statement. All right. We can promote the uh, Mr. Frazier first. Thank you. Apologies, Mr. Frazier, for going out of order a bit here, but we would welcome a closing statement from you if you'd like to give one. No problem. I'll just um, submit a public about the decision to omit the, the closing statements. That's a joke, um, sorry. Uh, okay, um, yes, thank you. I wanna do four things in my closing. First, thank you all again. Uh, uh, this has been extraordinary to be a part of, um, and I thank you all for your commitment and, and I thank all of your families for allowing you to be here. Wanted to provide, number two is to provide an update that the four-year-old is still not asleep. Um, number three is I wanted to talk briefly about something that I didn't mention before, which is the Sunshine Ordinance Section 2-92.11, which in my view contradicts Mr. Cohen's repeated statement that the um, PRA doesn't require privilege logs. He may be right about that. I'm not an expert in the PRA, but the Sunshine Ordinance does. Uh, it, it says that you can't withhold any record entirely unless everything about it is exempt from disclosure by law. And it also says any redacted or withheld information or documents shall be explained in writing. So I'm sure Mr. Cohen will argue that the formulaic email, which generally cites the penal code, was an explanation in writing, but I would say and argue that that is not what section 2-9211 is saying. What 2-9211 is saying is, you have to say, if you're not gonna give me the email where Chief Josie forwards the email to paralegal and says, hey, don't let anyone have this yet, you have to explain why you're not giving me that particular email or any particular document. That's how I would interpret 2-9211, but I, I suppose I could be wrong. Um, uh, I, I just finally wanna sort of acknowledge that um, I, I, as I watched everyone and answered your questions and listened to your questions, um, I can tell you cared a lot. And so thank you again. Thank you, Mr. Frazier. Um, and I hope your child goes to sleep soon. I think mine is. May we all have good, good luck in that regard. Uh, Mr. Cohen, would you like to uh, join us once Madam Clerk promotes your little Zoom box? I had already adjourned into pajama mode. I didn't realize I was coming back. So um, I apologize so, oh, so I, much. I, I, Thank I'm you dressed for... again. So um, <laughs> in, in any case, um, 
Thank you. I, I want to. I did want to thank the commissioners for, for for hearing me out and for having this hearing. I, I felt it was very important. Um, you know, if I can emphasize anything that you know, I really felt like the city, the city through the entire through this entire through this entire time from the date of the incident was doing everything it could to try and balance sort of the the various rights and interests. It, you know, we we weren't trying to play high, uh, fast and loose or intentionally try and hide stuff. We just, this is a new law, SB 1421, and sort of these disclosure obligations are new. And we're trying to sort of run the balance between protecting the public's right to know and and staying out of the way of the district attorney. Um, and, you know, if the commission has suggestions on how we can be more transparent of the process, I, for one, would be willing to entertain them. Um, I just I want to thank you again for the professionalism in which this hearing was conducted. And I specifically want to, you know, if Mr. Frazier is still listening, I, you know, I want to thank him for the professionalism with with which he approached this particular argument. And um, I'm around if you uh, want to ask any additional questions. Thank you so much, Mr. Cohn. Um, I am very heartwarmed, I think, by the, the spirit of collaboration that, that we've all kind of entered into this with um, and definitely appreciate, want to echo the appreciation to the parties for their professionalism. Um, and with that, I think we can um, move into our deliberations as a commission. Um, as a reminder, uh, just to kind of frame our thinking, our decision options are Complaint sustained with cure and correct recommendation, complaint sustained without cure and correct recommendation, complaint denied, complaint denied is unfounded or complaint dismissed on jurisdiction or procedural grounds. Um, I mentioned earlier, we can make those findings with respect to individual claims within the complaint or with respect to the full complaint. Um, and as we kind of discussed at the outset, we do have a procedural issue to deal with, um, which would bar consideration of some or all of the claims or certain aspects of the claims potentially. So um, I'd like to open the floor first, uh, if the other commissioners will so indulge, um, to discussion of the question of whether, you know, any, some, or all of these claims are time barred under the statutory requirement that a complaint must be filed within 15 days of an alleged violation of the Sunshine Ordinance. Um, I think the complainant did a, did a good job of delineating conduct in sort of the last month, conduct within that 15 day window and um, conduct beforehand. Um, but I think it's something we're gonna need to address to decide which of the claims are even properly before us. So uh, with that, who would like to begin? If anyone has a motion to make, I'd love to hear that or we can jump in with your general leanings first. And I see Commissioner Camfra waving am, the magic pen. Please go forward. Right on this one, because jurisdiction is a huge issue. And I think it can help us arrive at decisions when it's appropriate. And so we have nine individual allegations before us. And I do believe we need to make nine findings that we have jurisdiction to hear each and every one of those. So whether or not they're time barred, and it might be good just to, for the general public's purpose to understand the 15 day limitation, because it can sometimes seem like 
This is just an easy way for the city to get out of being held accountable. But we do have to follow our policies and procedures. And more importantly, the ordinance that requires 15 days from the date of the violation. And so I think there's a lot of people that don't quite understand that. And then the distinction between a violation and an ongoing or a continual violation that would allow us to hear a case, even though it was a year ago, or an issue that was um, a violation a year ago, but we don't have jurisdiction to hear it now. So that's yeah, my suggestion. I think that's um, I think that's a good suggestion. We may be able to deal with them in chunks um, potentially, also. Uh, and and I would just add to that also that there's there's another question in here, which I think the the word came out at some point during the party statements, but ripen, right? And like, when does a claim ripen? Like, obviously we have this jurisdictional um, sort of barrier <laughs> on what we can consider. And at the same time, sometimes things that happen on one calendar date don't actually ripen until a later date. And so that's something I think we will need to consider, especially with, you know, the facts in this case. Um, anyone else have any thoughts to sort of throw out generally around the timeliness question? Vice Chair Chen. I, I just wanted to mention that this was the basis of our meeting last month, which was the whole thing about um, when, when does the clock start ticking on 15 days? Uh, and we had, <laughs> we went around kind of in a circle about that saying that staff and the complainant could agree on extending that time. But I'm just saying this is, this is going to be a, a consistent problem with um, Public Records Act requests. So that has to go to a higher level. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like if we were constrained totally by the law, by the Sunshine Ordinance on the 15 days, then that kind, kind of prohibits us from um, you know, ruling in one direction. I mean, it, it forces us into one direction or another, but it doesn't stop us from making recommendations to um, city staff, as well as to, uh, asking city council to take a good close look at this because this is the third, I think, complaint we've received regarding um, timeliness on uh, 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 complaints filed with the APD. That's yeah. just a comment. It's just a comment. Okay. No, thank you, Vice Chair Chen. Yeah. And I think um, with respect to this question that has come up about whether claims are time barred um, and the 15-day window, I think the, the origin of that earlier discussion was, gee, does the 15-day window make sense in the context of PRA complaints? And wouldn't it be great if we had more time in there to encourage the parties to resolve informally? And yet the ordinance is still what it is. So we do um, I think that's absolutely something we should be considering in terms of recommendations, um, perhaps for the annual report. I wonder, um, Chief Assistant City Attorney McKenzie, if you might be able to um, set the table a little bit on uh, an overview of the 15-day window and kind of how that would play out with respect to these specific claims. Um, just very big picture. And then I think we can kind of get into it claim by claim. Sure. I think that um, in evaluating whether um, um, 
the commission has jurisdiction. Um, Commissioner Canberra is is uh, on point to to steer us steer you all first to be looking at 2-93.2 part A that says any person may file a complaint against any violation of the Sunshine Ordinance no more than 15 days after the alleged violation. So I'm just that's that's the big that's the specific issue. Um, and and keep in mind, of course, that this is only skip that. So looking at alleged violation and this issue of ripening, I think uh, the, the issues presented um, in some of the other um, complaints in which you all have grappled with, with that are not as apparent here to me, the, the difficulty, because here there um, most of the, the claims do have some um, point at which the complainant arguably knew the city's position and had notice, and in some cases acknowledged that he had noticed that he disagreed with a certain decision the city was making. So I think that that is a, a good threshold question to ask for each of the claims. Um, was there a point at which the complainant was aware that the city was either doing something or had decided not to do something or had done something that he disagreed with? And I think um, with some of these claims, um, there is a point at which he was aware of that. And um, um, just because of the nature of this particular or the sequence of this particular issue um, and the circumstances surrounding it, there's almost a year dividing those, those events. So, you know, several of the events arguably happened in April of 2021 or May of 2021. And then um, other claims uh, or alleged violations that he's complaining of um, happened almost a year later in March or April of 2022. And I'm happy to go if there are specific questions about specific claims, but um, those, that, that, those are the questions that I, if I were all of you, would advise you to um, grapple with as you encounter and deliberate on each claim. Thank you. That's very helpful. Um, I think that framework of, was there a point at which the complainant was aware the city had done something you disagree with is a, a very, um, a nice way to, to, to move through these questions. Um, uh, with that, I, I wonder if it makes sense, team, to go claim by claim. And, take them in order. Yeah, just take them in order. Um, <coughs> so, uh, I have some notes that uh, that rephrase the issues presented a little bit. Um, this is partially going off the guidance memo, but the language might not be identical. Um, so if anyone thinks that the way I'm framing the question doesn't parallel the issue presented in the complaint, please, please chime in. Um, but I'm looking at the first issue is, uh, did the city comply with the good faith requirement provided for in the Sunshine Ordinance to comply with a shortened time frame that's been reasonably justified. So we can call this the shortened time frame complaint, mm -hmm. uh, which my understanding is, you know, he requested materials within 30 days. Uh, and then those 30 days elapsed without uh, any materials being provided, uh, despite the fact that there was a response in between. So um, I will open it up to commissioners. Uh, I, I do wonder, um, I don't think we need to go make a motion for each one of these. 
uh, I don't know, chief assistant city attorney is the, the individual who would be preparing our written decision. Would you prefer we frame these as a motion or just kind of take a head count? <laughs> I will say for the purposes of drafting a, a decision, um, I would like a motion. I would prefer to have a motion um, to just confirm um, the actual vote. I, I don't think you need to make a motion for each um, claim. However, I would prefer a lot of specificity as to your reasoning and decision on each claim so that when you do a sort of, I mean, I guess I'm envisioning a, a very long motion at the very end in which you go through all nine claims. Um, I have really complete notes at that point. Um, so, so I don't have to try to quickly write down the entire motion that you make. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. So you can um, write this down then, because I'm not going to have the memory through nine individual issues. <laughs> well, we may only be down to four or five by the time we're dealing with substance. Um, we still have to make spoiler. a finding that something is time barred. So yeah. we still have to make that determination. Yeah. That's a factual determination. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's, um, uh, does anyone want to uh, make a motion or a very obvious statement that we can indicate our agreement or disagreement with, with respect to whether claim number one is time barred and why? I wanna say yes, because he, the city did provide an answer and, and you know, it was the generic answer, but it was, you know, currently what was happening, it's like, you know, they're under investigation, they couldn't release some stuff due to this, this, and this. So if I can clarify, Commissioner Tulos, is is your position that it, it that claim number one about the shortened time frame, the request for 30 days, that that would be time barred because he, they gave him a response and he knew what that response was, which was, we can't produce records? Okay. Yes. All right. I'm going to take a quick poll around our Zoom room of who's in agreement with Commissioner Telos there. Vice Chair Chen. Um, that wouldn't be the reason why I would okay. um, look at this. Um, because basically, his claim, whether or not the city made a good faith effort, I hate to say this because I hate to say it this way, is moot because he didn't file the complaint in time. Time bar. Yeah, it's, it's time bar, and it's not that the, that the city actually complied. Because, okay. because that's not that's not what we're being asked to in that question. In that question. Okay. I mean, I mean, we have to we have we get stopped before we leave the gate because it's yes. time barred. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great clarification there. Um, uh, okay, so operating off Vice Chair Chen's description of uh, finding that the claim regarding the shortened time frame is time barred because the complaint was not made within 15 days of the shortened time frame concluding. Is that the date you tie it to, Vice Chair Chen? Or yeah. Okay. Um, because certainly he only filed this complaint recently, right? So certainly um, the complainant 
was probably aware that the city was not in in compliance with what uh, with the the shortened time frame. That's an assumption, but it basically kind of sets it up to say, you know what, you didn't file the complaint in time, and we can't consider it on the shortened time frame claim. Right. Okay. Um, all right. Why don't we go around and um, uh, I guess we don't necessarily need to frame it as a motion and do a formal roll call at this stage uh, because what I'm envisioning is that we'll have some discussion about each claim and, and you know whether we're generally in agreement about what's time barred or not. And then maybe we make a motion to wrap up the a motion to find that claims X, Y, and Z are time barred on the basis that the complaint was not brought within 15 days of the alleged violation. And then sort of leave that as section one and then head into any remaining substantive issues. Commissioner Canberra, I see a furrowed brow. Yeah, because I think some of these uh, are going to be time barred for the initial request, mm -hmm. but not time barred for um, closer to the actual event. So I, as long as we write it down and we're all straight, that's fine. Yeah. It's written down. That's all. So just to your point, if we wanted to handle all of the completely time barred and those would all go away and then discuss the validity of certain aspects of an issue and say, well, that part is time barred. However, this is substantive and it was filed in a timely manner. And yes, we should discuss it. <clears throat> and then that way, chief assistant attorney can say, as to issue five, we found this, this, and this. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. Um, I also like that distinction of time barred in full or time barred in part, maybe is the way we can frame it. Um, all right, and to members of the public, thank you for bearing with us as we decide on our process, because unfortunately, unfortunately, we are not able to communicate with each other about this ahead of time. So this is this is the sausage getting made in real time. Um, okay, why don't we, um, why don't, do we have general agreement that claim number one is time barred and regarding the shortened timeframe is time barred in full? such that we cannot consider the complaint because the complaint was not brought within 15 days of the alleged violation. Uh, maybe, let's Agreed. actually, I'll just make it a motion. Let's just make it the right way. It's just easier to have a record of later. Madam Clerk, could you, or do I have a second? Sorry to make my own motion. Hopefully you guys can make, okay. okay. Uh, Madam Clerk, can you take a roll call vote, please? You may, you may be taking quite a few. That's fine. Commissioners Cameron, Chen. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. T. Lewis. Aye. Charlotte Pilato. Aye. That carries by five eyes. Okay. Um, claim number two uh, generally asks the question of, you know, was the city required to make the information that was provided available in a specific type of electronic format? There was some discussion about original format. Um, there was discussion about a lot of different types of formats that were uh, that were proposed, uh, and we need to address the question of whether the complaint as to that is time barred. Um, I will note there were productions at various time frames here, right? So we have a YouTube video that came out. We then have a release of 
body cam footage. The body cam footage, which I believe <laughs> then there's other things that sort of sprinkled out, I think up through December, 2021. And then there's obviously the, the release of the, uh, big the big batch of records, the big disclosures on April 12th. Um, so commissioners, does anyone have uh, any emotion they wanna make or general thoughts on um, whether claim number two about the, the type of electronic format is time barred? I'll go with commissioner Montgomery, please. It was a tie. So this is one I'd like to see pulled apart. Okay, can you elaborate? I, yeah, I think that the, the data that we're talking about, the early data say up through 2021, in my opinion is time barred, but the, the rest is able for us to look at um, because of the time frame that he, that he um, submitted his complaint. Okay. Great. So does that, does that make sense? It does. It does. And since um, perhaps to put a finer point on it, <clears throat> since we're thinking of that 15 day window, are we all in an understanding that I think the only documents produced in 2022, the only materials produced in 2022, 2022 was the April 12th, 2022 massive release, right? Yes. That's what I see. So That's just your that understanding. Okay. Yeah. So let's, we'll, we'll tie it to that. So do I have it right, Commissioner Montgomery, that um, your statement that claim number two would be time barred with respect to any claims related to information provided prior to the April 12th, 2022 disclosure of records? Yes. But that we can consider the substance, the substance the from that far, from that point forward. That that's how I'm looking at it. What do y'all think? The specific date would be March 29th, 2022. If you go back from the 15 days for the complaint filed, work backwards, and then that would cover anything that happened. That's helpful. Okay, yeah, and and Commissioner Montgomery, your uh, that made perfect sense to me. I'm seeing nods. Um, does anyone want to frame it as a motion or do you want me to frame it? Uh, I'll try it. <laughs> so I'll move that all the, that the complaint and all the data from up until, what was it? March, March 29th, March 29th is time barred. However, we can review, we will look at the information past that, that is eight for us to decide upon. Do we have a second? A second. Multiple seconds. Uh, Madam Clerk, could you take a roll call vote, please? Commissioners Campra. Aye. Chen. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Tila. Aye. Charlo Pilato. Aye. That carries by five eyes. Okay, moving right along. So we have everybody put a pin in part of claim number two to return to. Um, Claim number three, uh, sort of the acknowledgement claim. Did the city comply with the requirement to acknowledge the complainant's uh, Public Records Act request? Um, it looks like the claim appears to articulate that there may have been multiple requests all within that April, 2021 timeframe. Uh, would any commissioner like to make a motion as to whether that claim is time barred in part or in full? 
you know, I think we just want to make sure that because there were multiple communications from the very first one that the acknowledgement of each of those that could be construed as a public records act request. We, I think we, in order for us to say it's time barred, we need to make sure we understand which ones are actual public records act requests and which ones were repetitive or affirmations of an original one so we can determine the exact time. And in looking at it, at least for me, it seemed like the initial Public Records Act request, and then the one follow-up occurred back in two thousand in April of 2020, 21, whatever it was. And that the city did acknowledge those. And I didn't see anything that appeared to be a new Public Records Act request going forward. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Camper. Commissioner Montgomery, I see your hand raised. I think I'm in agreement with what Commissioner Camper just said. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm in agreement with that. I think there was something else, but I just totally went out of my head what I wanted to say about that. Fair enough. Commissioner Tulos, I see your hand. Yeah, I think that's how I read it well. Was there's the initial request, which was April of 2021. Then I think there's two other requests they made you know, within weeks of that. So still in that April time frame. So I would say that's time barred. And Commissioner Montgomery, I see your hand again or still? I remember, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember. Um, so I'm looking where it says his, his first um, um, request was April 19th. And then there was another one argues that April 22nd and 24th were additional requests. Do we actually, is it our job to look at those and figure out whether we feel like those were additional requests or just clarifications of the first request? I don't know that we, I'll just chime in. I don't know if we think but it's time, time barred it's either same. way. It's within three days, I right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think no, we could. Barred. Go ahead, excuse me. Yeah, so. We're all time barred anyway, but I think it's important that we make a finding that the last one, just to make sure that we know which one was the complaint because it had to be acknowledged. Otherwise, they're going to be time barred no matter what. I think it's more technical than anything else, but to okay. dot an I and cross a T. I like precision. Um, let's see then. Um, and actually, let me kick it over to Chief Assistant City Attorney on that. Uh, because as much as I like precision, I do also feel like that gets into the, the substance of the question when it sounds like we may actually be in alignment that in any event, any complaint related to April, 2021, records request acknowledgements would be time barred. Chief Assistant City Attorney, do you feel like we need to make a finding as to specifically which ones were requests? Um, I don't think in this instance you do. Um, I do think that you could frame your motion in a way that encompasses uh, Commissioner Canberra's concerns by saying to the extent that the April 22nd and 24th, 2021 emails were additional requests, those um, arguments are not before the commission because they would also be time barred just so that we're, you're not, you don't have to get into it. it. It would be a different situation, I think, if uh, we were talking about a number 
if it was a closer uh, instance in time, but it's not. So I don't I don't think you need to. And I see your point, Chair Lopalato, that um, going into the substance is is unnecessary. The Thank substance you. of whether or not those additional emails are actually separate requests. And I think, and at the same time, making the motion in a way that it clearly encompasses those, whether they, yes. they are or not, mm -hmm. to Commissioner Camber's concern is, is prudent. Um, Commissioner Camber, do you want to take a crack at that motion or Commissioner Montgomery? Which the Chief Assistant City Attorney stated so eloquently. Um, um, let's see, that the motion that the Acknowledgement, alleg um, acknowledgement allegation. No, I don't. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm still thinking how I want. I have uh, too many adjectives at the moment. Okay. Okay. Commissioner Montgomery. Let's see. It can 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 it just be simple? Like, can we move that this whole claim number three is time barred? We can't see it. We can't talk about it. It's, it's I think time we barred. Can. Yeah, I would that, just make the, the I, I so move that. <laughs> would uh, you accept a, a friendly amendment to address the language the chief assistant attorney with the 24th and the woman? 25th emails yeah. included? Yes. So something like claim number 3 is uh time barred with respect to the original public records request to the extent the emails on April 22nd and 24th, 2021 constituted requests, they would be time barred as well? Yes. All right, do we do we have a second for my hybrid motion with Commissioner Montgomery, <laughs> which was hers? Vice Chair Chen, thanks for the second. Uh, Madam Clerk, could you take a roll call vote? Commissioners <laughs> Canberra. Aye. Chen. Yes. Montgomery. Yes. Pilos. Aye. Chirlo Pilato. Aye. That carries by five eyes. Okay, moving into claim number four. Um, uh, the question of, which is a broader overarching one of did the city uh, ultimately comply with the requirement to disclose requested law enforcement information um, as required by the Sunshine Ordinance? Uh, commissioners, does anyone want to begin uh, with their thoughts on whether that claim is allowable or if it's time barred? Commissioner Montgomery. I see this a lot the same as the other one where there's a piece of it that's time barred and a piece of it that's not time barred. Um, the the piece, the, again, the, th the, 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 the data that comes in April, 2022, and, and up to March 29th um, is, is something that we can look at and anything previous to, to that seems to be time barred to me. I'd agree with that. Thank you, Commissioner Montgomery. Commissioner Tulos, Commissioner Canberra, I see you can hear me. Yeah, I just have a, a question. When the city, each time the city responds to Mr. Frazier that we have this reason for not disclosing. Is, does this go to the heart of 
is it a valid reason to not disclose? Is this a valid exemption? And in that case, each time the city used it, would that in fact then be a violation? I think it still goes to time barred, but I just in thinking it through who's using it. That's interesting because you do have the erroneous April 7th email that includes that statement too within our window. Um, so would you, you know, say I guess that part of the question before if that? We, if we, excuse me, if we frame this from the point of the complaint, how does the complaint know, you know, what's, nobody ever says what's even there to begin with. So it's hard to say you are not cooperating because you don't know what you're supposed to be getting. It, they're definitely at a disadvantage. We tried to get so many of those questions answered during our question period. Yeah. I think, and, and maybe Chief Assistant City Attorney, could you, this might be one where we could benefit from a, a claim specific um, sort of checkpoint on um, what an ongoing violation would consist of. Because I think that maybe, Commissioner Camber, correct me if I'm wrong, but that goes a little bit to it seems as if we're debating whether we need to delineate this claim as time barred in part, um, or if there's another avenue to really address the full question since there was no real notice of what was going to be disclosed. Right. Um, well, I think it would be helpful to pretend like we're back in May of 2021. And we are Mr. Frazier and we have a communication from the city saying, uh, we the city are not going to be producing any records other than what we disclosed on April 27th. And our reasons are as follows, there's a pending investigation and everything else that's in that email. At that point, Mr. Frazier is aware of the fact that, and, and apparently believes that that was not consistent with the Sunshine Ordinance, that there should have been um, um, a variety of, of different um, actions taken by the city, including but not limited to disclosure of more records, a more substantive um, um, description of what was being withheld and what was not, and so on and so forth. At that point, um, I think that there's a very good argument that he was on notice that um, that the city was taking a certain position and that position as it turns out stayed relatively consistent until um, April of 2022. So I understand the argument of a continuing violation, but um, I, I don't think that, um, I think that there's a definitely a very strong argument that the, the um, wrong in this, the alleged wrong in this case had ripened, had become, um, had become something that Mr. Frazier was aware of back in um, at the earliest April of 2021. Commissioners, thoughts on that? And I'm sorry to conclude. My I, I should have I should have ended up my point, which is I think that this um, or I can I can appreciate the the commission concluding this and for this particular claim that. Um, I think like Commissioner Montgomery indicated, it is perhaps a hybrid where part of, uh, part of the, um, 
part of part of the uh, the the document production, the ultimate document production, when it was finally done in April of 2022, um, there may be some issues that this that would be timely considered by the commission. So I would concur with that, and that means then that the March 29th date would kind of be the any disclosure before that would be time barred, but we could move forward with the April 2022 disclosure discussion. And so I would make that motion that any of the disclosures prior to March 29th of 2022 would be time barred. I think that's all we need to do for that motion because the rest of it would remain open. Commissioners, do we have a second on that motion? Essentially be uh, partially timed. Thanks, Commissioner Montgomery. Uh, Madam Chair, would you like to take a roll call vote, please? Mr. Camera? Aye. Chen? Aye. Montgomery? Aye. Chair uh, Tilos? Oh. You said I, right? I just yeah, didn't. I. Okay. Uh, Chair Lopalato. I'm going to abstain on that one. Okay, that one's four to one. Okay, I'm looking at claim number five. Um, ultimately, a pretty similar question to claim number four. Uh, whether yep. the city has complied with the government code section um, and then describes the type of information. Uh, so it essentially kind of gets more at uh, the requirement for disclosing arrest log um, and records concerning calls for service. And commissioners, would you like to, would anyone like to jump in on, on whether this claim is time barred uh, in full or in part? Vice Chair Chen. I'm just not really clear whether he ever got this. You mean in the records that were released? Yes. I mean, no, be, uh, well, you know, I did not read the district attorney's decision, so I don't know if the information he's requesting is in there or not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm just ignorant of that. Well, I think we can, uh, I think Vice Chair Chan's comment <laughs> brings out the, that the information did not come out until the DA's decision not to prosecute and subsequent release of the investigative file in April, 2022, um, which would indicate to me that at least in part, one would need to see those records to be able to evaluate this claim. A complainant would not know if the city had done, had acted in compliance with this government code section until they saw what the actual records were going to be produced. So. I, th I think we're dealing with a similar hybrid situation here. Does that sound right to commissioners? Okay, and um, Chief Assistant City Attorney McKenzie, I'll, I'll kick it over to you with one very quick question. Is there, is there any reason we should analyze 
claim number five differently than claim number four? I didn't see a reason to, no. Okay, thank you. I, I saw uh, claim number five as being sort of a subsection of claim number four. Okay, thanks. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, would anyone like to make a motion? I saw a lot of head nods about the, uh, the, the partial time bar. Commissioner Tilas. Yeah, before we make a motion on that one, can we ask Chief Assistant City Attorney if some of the other claims like six, seven, eight, nine, in you in your opinion, sort of fall in that subset as well? And maybe to make this a little bit more efficient, because it's sort of sounding like, hey, everything before March 29th, let's time bar it. But then everything after that, okay, let's make a decision. We're gonna talk about it. So so you know, Chair, can we have is that a worthy question? I think let's keep taking it claim by claim for the reasons okay. stated earlier. Um, though I love suggestions for streamlining and let's let's keep them coming. Um, but I think we are gonna need uh, like to frame a factual basis that will be different potentially for each of these claims. Um, and if I'm wrong, I owe you 10 minutes of your life back. Um, claim number five, does anyone wanna make a, a motion on whether that's barred partially? Shouldn't we just use the same language we used in the previous motion? It would be the same. Yeah, I, mean, I like that. I'll make the motion that I made before on claim number four, if you could just cut and paste that for number five. Excellent, do we have a second? Second. Excellent, Madam Clerk, could you please take a roll call vote? Commissioner's camera. Aye. Chen. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Tilaf. Aye. Hello, Pilato. Aye. Carries by five eyes. All right, thank you. Um, going into claim six, uh, which is a, kind of a different can of worms about did the city improperly withhold entire records? Um, does anyone want to open with considerations of whether that claim is time barred in full or in part? I think once again, it's kind of a similar situation to four and five. I, I'd agree. Because it's sort of referring to like redactions and all that. So it's all the stuff that came out came out after that came out in April 2022. For the April 12th disclosure. I think it's April 12th. Yeah, yeah, to year 2022. Right. Yeah. And the city did not release any information prior to March 30th. That, that's kind of what our basis is, or after March 30th. That's the only disclosure. So, yes, yeah, so I believe this is also partially time barred. Talk about again. The one, the one hang up I'll just throw it out there that, that I have is um, whether that there's the act of withholding entire records being justified on the basis of there's an ongoing investigation. And I'm a little bit hung up on whether, how it is that a complainant could be on notice of whether entire records were improperly withheld until that investigation concludes and then everything comes out 
and perhaps they look at it and say, whoa, <laughs> your basis for withholding this entire record was completely bogus. You know, I don't actually think that necessarily happened here. It's just something that I, I, is, is making the jurisdictional question a little murky for me. Um, but it sounds like we may have a majority already in place. Um, but I think your issue that you're grappling with is the same thing that I grapple with is, is it the whole record? Is it everything? Isn't that something could have been disclosed as opposed to withholding everything? And that's the determination that the police department and the city attorney make based on some fairly broad language um, in the penal code. Yeah. I'm going to step into the murky water of case law at 9.56 p.m., although it would be helpful earlier if somebody had given us some guidance. Commissioner Montgomery, I see your hand raised. Yeah, this one is hard for me um, date-wise because it, it feels to, to touch on that ripen issue again. How does somebody know that they don't or haven't been given everything until the other party says we're done giving things. Um, how, how do you how do you make a complaint that that they're um, improperly withholding entire records until you're able to see the records that they finally give you? And he wasn't in my mind. He couldn't have done that until until the um, April twenty two release because he he had no idea what they were going to release until they actually did. Thank you, Commissioner Montgomery. Vice Chair Chen. Well, there's more records to be presented because the civil investigation has not yet been completed. So he hasn't gotten the entire records because the, the, the third arm of this investigation process has not been completed. Which to the time barred question, then how could how could we say that it's barred if arguably it hasn't even fully ripened? Correct. Under Vice Chair Chen's comment there, um, Be because we don't know if the city, I mean, the city still has a chance to properly <laughs> release the entire record at some future date. Yeah, thank you. Um, Commissioner Montgomery, I see your hand still up. Is that a, okay. Um, it sounds like we've got a, a, a mixed bag here, Commissioner Canberra. Well, I just looked at um, 837.7. That's the penal code that the city is relying on. And I mean, it's got really broad language. Um, Specifically, uh, during an active criminal investigation, disclosures may be delayed for up to 60 days from the date of the misconduct or use of force occurred until the district attorney determines whether the file to file criminal charges related to the misconduct or use of force, whichever occurs sooner. Um, you know, there's some earlier language that kind of gives the city broad authority to make that determination and they're and best interest, I guess, is what I'd say. That even after 60 days of misconduct, the agency can continue to delay 
the disclosure of records or information, if the disclosure could reasonably be expected to interfere with a criminal enforcement proceeding against an officer who engaged in misconduct or use of force. So it's just, it's awful broad language that we would be bound by. In a, in a substantive analysis though, right? Yes. Do you have any thoughts on the time barred nature given that subsection that you read? Well, I think it's clear that once the district attorney and I, we may differ on whether it's April 7th or March 30th, but anything before that, it just seems like the city's reliance on 837.7 is at least reasonable. I see Commissioner Montgomery's hand up. I feel like we're getting a little into substance. I saw Chief Assistant City Attorney McKenzie lean forward. <laughs> if there was a comment there, please feel free to jump in. Um, and Commissioner Montgomery's hand is now down. Um, I, I wonder I, if, yeah. I, I do, I just wanna point, I, I'm looking at the argument that the complainant makes in support of um, claim number six. And he really seems to focus on the fact that, um, I'm, I'm gonna read from it, so I'm not just summarizing. Um, respondent has failed to produce records in response to the April 19th, 2001 original request and failed to produce any written explanation for the withholding other than the general recitations of supposed exceptions. These general recitations do not explain the quote redacted or withheld information. Um, so in other words, I, I viewed the, the base the basis of his complaint as to claim number six as saying that the city was not uh, permitted to simply send an email every, you know, periodically just saying we're not going to give any more records, for, uh, some, you know, just saying we're not going to give any more records. And he's saying, as I understood his, his argument that he is saying that the city was required under uh, section 2-9211 was that it was uh, supposed to, um, the city was supposed to explain any withheld information in writing. And so I, I had understood that his, his concern or his alleged violation in this regard was the fact that the city just sent in his, you know, the just being his characterization, just sent this email periodically, summarily saying, you're not getting any more, you're not getting any records for this reason. And it should have been a more detailed, um, nuanced analysis. And of course that, I, I point this out only because it does, I believe go to the time barred um, consideration that you all are having because he did get that first um, email of which he complains in April of 2021 and then got it periodically thereafter. And to your point, I think, didn't the city in its reply refer to Penal Code 837.7, if I recall their response? They did. Although not with the correct citation until many months into it. <laughs> but yes, the intention was there. Yeah. Um, I... All right, I, I think I'm getting a little more convinced that to the extent 
you know, I, I think that perhaps the time bar question here is a distinction without a difference, um, potentially. So, um, notwithstanding my hangups on when it, when he could have possibly been aware of what was withheld, um, does anyone want to make a motion on whether what scope of the claim we may be able to consider? Should we be making the Jeff motion, I guess, as we're going to be calling it? Let's do it. <laughs> I, I will make the Jeff motion, which basically says that anything prior to March 30th would be time barred, but we I'll leave it at that. That leaves us open later on to discuss the April 12th disclosure. Sure. Do we have a second? Second. Okay. Madam Clerk, can you take a roll call vote? Commissioner Campra. Aye. Chen. Yes. Montgomery. Aye. Tilos. Aye. Charlo Pilato. All abstain. Four to one. Okay. Claim number seven, uh, which is. Charlo Pilato, can I just yes. ask one clarification? On claim number five, did you abstain from that one as well? I did not on number five. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> number four, she did though. Yes, yeah. I have that. Thank you. Uh, claim number seven. We have as a, this is sort of the, the broad claim under the, the general CPR rate. Did the city comply with section 6253C of the Public Records Act in responding with Mr. Frazier's request. Um, and if anyone wants to chime in with what exactly that subsection required, uh, I would welcome that. I, I can. Thank you, Chief <laughs> City Attorney, as I frantically go through my many pages of notes. I felt like that was a uh, call for a lawyer you're asking. Phone about. a friend, please. Yes, okay. Um, subsection C, I'll read part of it just because it's rather lengthy. And I think the beginning is what you're focused on. Each, agent, each agency upon a request for a copy of records shall within 10 days from receipt of the request, determine whether the request in whole or in part seeks copies of disclosable public records in the possession of the agency and shall promptly notify the person making the request of the determination and the reasons therefore. In unusual circumstances, the time limit prescribed in this section may be extended by written notice by the head of the agency. Um, and that's the 14 day, but that's, that's, the, that's the key component of subsection C. Thank you. Um, sounds like it relates to a, a frame of time much closer to when the original request is made. So does anyone want to uh, make a motion or give an indication of how they're feeling on time barred on this particular claim? So I believe it's time barred under the same an analysis that we've done for the other ones. Do we have a second? I'll second. All right, Madam Clerk, could you take a roll call vote, please? Mr. Canberra. Aye. Chen. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Elos. Aye. Chair Lopalato. Aye. Carries five eyes.
Okay, we are down to claim number eight, uh, which is essentially, did the city respond to the public information request in a timely manner uh, for purposes of the Public Records Act and uh, relevant case law? Um, does anyone want to lead off with thoughts on whether such a claim would be time barred? It just seems too late to complain about it now. I mean, it's a, a year later, so. Again, I'm not saying whether it was timely or not. I'm <coughs> barred. Um, you know, I, when I read this though, I wondered, did it mean the original 2001 or was the complaint that the city was aware on March 30th that there was not going to be a criminal investigation, at least informally. And then the time it took to disclose the remaining information. And it wasn't clear, but that was kind of a reading that I had gotten out of it. Anyone else want to weigh in? Commissioner Montgomery, I see you come off mute. Was it that not in the claimant's response somewhere? I, I seem to remember, there were so many pages, but I seem to remember him responding to that directly. There was definitely a discussion of, of whether disclosure was prompt after um, the sort of intervening event, which changes everything, which is the DA's decision not to prosecute. Um, right. So that my- led me to believe that. Yeah, my, my read was that this would be a sort of partial hybrid scenario where there's, it sounds like room for discussion over whether information was produced in a timely manner after the shield was lifted, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. So do we do the Jeff motion again? Do we have a Jeff motion? Wait, well, wait, let me back up. Maybe I just understood that if the shield was left on March 30th, was it the complaint filed on the 13th? So that would be within the 15 days. Yeah, at least I am looking at the Sunshine Ordinance complaint, the coverly, it's dated April 13th, 2022. Yeah, so I think with respect to whether information was produced in a timely manner after the DA's decision not to prosecute, that claim seems live to me and not time barred. But I think to Vice Chair Chen's point, any complaints about whether information was produced in a timely manner from that scope of time, April, 2021 through, you know, essentially the window, March 29th, our window here. Right, I guess I, I assume that the timeliness was only for the March 30th forward, but if it applied before that, then yeah, it would be the same motion. Again. <laughs> All right, Commissioner Cameron, would you like to make the Jeff motion? I will make the Jeff motion. Okay. Uh, do we have a second? <coughs> second. I'll second. Go ahead. All right, uh, Madam Clerk, could you take a roll call vote, please? Commissioner Cameron. Aye. Chen. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Tilos. Aye. Chair Lopalato. Aye. Carries by five eyes. Okay, and um, claim number nine, 
was whether costs and attorney's fees are due to complainant. Um, I don't think we need to do the time barred analysis on that. I think we have a completely different jurisdictional bar. Commissioner yeah. Yeah. <laughs> completely different jurisdictional bar. We can't look at it. This is not our purview. Well, well, no, I think it is our purview because the CPRA is incorporated into the Sunshine Ordinance. But in looking at 6259, it talks about a court awarding fees and not us. Yeah, so, so yeah, we... Us. Yeah, we, we can't because we're not a court. We're yep. quasi-judicial only. So um, I think I could make a motion that we deny this claim. I'll second. Can I ask for clarification on what basis you're, you would be making your motion for denial? We don't have any authority to award attorney's fees because... 6259D talks about a court. And it talks specifically superior court. Commissioner Camber, are you purposely saying deny instead of dismiss? Or dismiss, excuse me. That might have been the thank you. All right. I, I see some questions, even though we kind of started moving. Let's do the questions just so we know what we're voting on. Um Commissioner Montgomery's hand was up first, and then Vice Chair Chen, I see you also. Commissioner Montgomery's hand is going down, Vice Chair Chen. <laughs> the Sunshine Ordinance gives the Open Government Commission the purview to, if we find uh, in on the complainant's behalf, to recommend a cure and correction. But that would not be attorney's fees and costs. That's a fine. Oh, that's a. Well, there's no. It's not clear what a cure and correction is. I think it says assess a fine. I think cure and correction is like send it back to a governing body or. Somebody well, can pull that. Somebody can pull that up. I think the language is. We should check the language to be sure. Yeah, what is a cure and correction, right? I no, think no, I, the, yeah, the, there's a hand up, Chair. Oh, well. Thank you, as my chief assistant city attorney, please <laughs> enlighten us. I, I think um, without even getting into whether the commission has the authority to order um, a fine in the in the form of attorneys' fees and costs. The subsection of uh, 6259, subsection D, that the complainant brings claim number nine under is specifically related and specifically related to the outcome of a court trial. So um, 6259, um, as Commissioner Canberra uh, mentioned, um, starts off by indicating when it is made to appear by verified petition to the Superior Court of the County. Da, 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 da. It's, 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 this is describing a, a Superior Court case brought under the CPRA. Um, you go on to uh, subsection D that says the court shall award court costs and reasonable attorney's fees to the requester 
should the requester prevail in litigation filed pursuant to this section? The fees and costs, okay. So this, without even getting into whether this commission has the authority to make or um, make recommendations for cure and correct that would include fees and costs, um, this talks about a, a process that hasn't happened yet. So there hasn't been litigation filed. So it, it's really not, I, I don't, I, I really don't think that this is something that is before you. Thank you, Chief Assistant City Attorney McKenzie. Commissioner Camber, could I ask you to remake your motion using the term dismissed, your original motion? Yes, I make the motion that we dismiss claim number nine um, in that we don't have jurisdiction to assess a attorney's fees and costs. Do we have a second? second. Okay, Madam Clerk, can you take a roll call vote? Commissioner Camber. Aye. Chen. Aye. <coughs> Montgomery. Aye. Tilos. Aye. Charlo Pilato. Aye. Carries by five eyes. Okay. Um, so we have now gone through the easy part, <laughs> some might say. Uh, we have several claims still in play, uh, which were not time barred in full. And um, we now have to, to discuss uh, and deliberate on whether substantive violations occurred. Um, I'm wondering if either uh, Madam Clerk or Chief Assistant City Attorney um, could just very quickly give us the list of which claims are still in play uh, with for uh, events after March 29th. Sure. Um, or is that okay, Madam City Clerk? Okay. Um, so claim number two, which is was the city required to make the information provided in a particular electronic format? That's one that's still in play. And hold on, sorry. Claim number four, did the city disclose law enforcement records consistent with the Sunshine Ordinance? Claim number five, did the city comply with the requirements for disclosing arrest log and records concerning calls for service? Claim number six, did the city improperly withhold entire records? And claim number eight, did the city respond in a quote, timely manner? Is that consistent with your records, Madam City Clerk? Yes, I, I think that is correct, yes. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, for the most part, these deal with different questions. Um, so I'm open to any uh, suggestions on streamlining. Uh, I think we may be able, once we get into the bulk of uh, claims four and five, there may be some ways to sort of consolidate and streamline, but um, for better or for worse, I think we probably need to take the claims independently, um, given the sort of issue areas being so, so distinct. Um, so 
I'll go in order so it's easier for us to keep track, uh, which might actually also at least let us open up with a more precise one. Commissioner Montgomery, I see your hand up. I'm so sorry, I need a five minute break. Yeah, yeah, I think that's <laughs> very appropriate. Should we take a five minute recess, everyone? Thank you. Well, what time do we have to do that vote to go on? Excellent question. 10:30? Yes, 10.30. At 10.30. So we do that first and then take a break? Yeah, so we could do the vote now. Yeah, that way we don't have to, to double, double interrupt up. ourselves, definitely. Madam Clerk, can you remind us of the nature of that vote? It's been a while. Yeah, so if um, the commission wants to hear any additional items, um, which the two remaining items are just the minutes and then the um, unfounded determination discussion, uh, then that would be you know, the, the decision that you can make now is which ones you wanna hear. I'll make a motion to not hear those. I'll second. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Madam Clerk, can we do a roll call vote? Commissioner Canberra. Aye. Chen. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Tilos. Aye. Chair Lopalato. Aye. That carries by five eyes. And apologies to anyone waiting to comment on either of those items, but I think once we saw the, the meat of this complaint, it was probably a predictable outcome. Um, Chief Assistant City Attorney, your hand is still raised. Is there anything we need to address before we take a um, five minute recess? All right. See you in five.
like the good old days. All right, welcome back. Slowly but surely, commissioners. Um, thank you, Commissioner Montgomery, for flagging uh, the recess need. And thank you, Commissioner Tilos, for reminding us of that vote. Um, we'll wait another minute for Commissioner Campbell. Great. All right. I was here, I just couldn't get the camera on. It's a lot of buttons. Um, we, uh, I think, should go ahead and just proceed with uh, claim number two on the substance of uh, whether the city was required to um, make the information available in a, in a particular electronic format and, and failed to do so. Um, I think there is a, there's kind of the threshold question of was there a requirement to do something here and then was that requirement met? Um, I'll open it up for discussion, commissioners, where you're, and this is of course, with respect to the material that was then produced uh, in the, the appropriate window of time, March 29th and after. Commissioner Chilos, I saw your hand up. Yeah, I think how I'm looking at this question is, you know, from original format that's there versus what's was put out there. And I guess the main piece, you know, it's missing is the metadata, but then this, um, the city said that the reason for that is due to the redaction. So I guess we're asking ourselves, is it okay to have the redactions? Then from looking at him, from what I've heard, I think that is the proper way to do it. So that's sort of how I'm attacking the question. I'd like to hear from other commissioners, you know, how, you know, what lens are you looking at this through? Vice Chair Chen. It's a two-part question, right? was the city required to make the information provided in a particular electronic format? And I would say yes. Um, and then when, when uh, <clears throat> the complainant explained uh, metadata, <laughs> which I now understand at 20%, um, <laughs> I can see how you can like look behind the curtain and see what was done to the data, even if it is redacted. But anyway, be that as it may, I know for sure it's supposed to be presented in the format, um, in a particular, it, it should be, I would agree to that. But I'm not sure if the city failed to provide it to him in that format. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure because I can't remember. <laughs> The facts of the of the case after March 29th or whatever. Yeah, one. Um, I'll just chime in. One um, resource for us to potentially be consulting um, that because it was offered as a hyperlink and not in as evidence in the file. The response by the city, which was really a records release, is is that link of the, the updated press release where they then, you know, dropped in a bunch of records. And that's also probably a, a question to be had in another one of these claims of whether that's a sufficient response. Um, Commissioner Canberra. Yeah, so I had a question on the government code and maybe Chief Assistant City Attorney, you could give us a little background. Cause I thought I remember something in, I think it was maybe the city's pleading about 
the city didn't have to go and put something into a particular form that was requested that it only had to provide it in forms that it normally stored data in. And it may be a distinction without a point because if we're talking about an original document, like a Word document, um, you have to have the original and the link wouldn't work. So I just want to get some clarification on the law, if you could. Sure. Um, and you remember precisely right, Commissioner Canberra. Um, so it's government code 6259.9, subsection A says, otherwise, unless otherwise prohibited by law, any agency that has information that constitutes an identifiable public record not exempt from disclosure pursuant to this chapter that is in an electronic format shall make that information available in an electronic format when requested by any person and when applicable shall comply with the following. And it goes on to say, the agency shall make the information available in any electronic format in which it holds the information. And then each agency shall provide a copy of an electronic record in the format requested. If the requested format is one that has been used by the agency to create copies for its own use or for provision to other agencies. So I think that's, that's well, that's a statement of the law. Okay. So, and there's, I mean, the request was very broad. So it was all kinds of different media. So you had videos, uh, I'm sure there were documents as well. And um, I, without seeing what the city provided through the hyperlink, I don't have the technical expertise to know one way or the other. Was the metadata available if you clicked on the link? I'll just chime in on like the, the factual front. So, um, and I'll, I'll forgive everyone if they want to pull up a internet screen next to our Zoom screen here to, to scroll through what the, the city's records release was, but um, they were Dropbox files for the most part. Um, obviously anyone correct me if I'm misstating the hyperlink in the record, but um, including uh, JPEG files, .mp4 files. So, um, a PDF of a police report, uh, audio files. Um, so they did not, they, they appeared to be original format. And I think the complainant actually concedes that but, um, with respect to what was released there, but um, they, so it's not like edited other than redactions. Sounds like what the city stated to us. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's not, like with emails, obviously you can print an email or you can get a PST file, which then shows you the BCC recipients, you know, to go to that earlier discussion. There were no emails produced in this that I could see in the hyperlink documents. There were no text messages produced in the hyperlink documents. There were no, um, the types of electronic data that would contain that sort of metadata um, wasn't included in these records. Um, and so the metadata question is a, is a, is a tricky one. Although it does say in the Dropbox file, like the date, it says date created, but but one doesn't know if that's the date the file was created or the right. date it was added to the Dropbox file. Okay. 
I'll throw a thought out for commissioners, um, which may be a theme to me that, that moves through many of these questions, which is that um, it sounds like uh, the complainant had a view of what he, he was requesting that was broader than what was ultimately produced in this records release and that there really wasn't a back and forth between the city and the complainant about the nature of the complainant specific request, um, which would have illuminated uh, what types of electronic formats might be available. You know, in general, like what we would think of as sort of a, a meet and confer process didn't really occur here. Um, and it also sounds like there's ongoing records not yet available for disclosure. Um, and so I, I'm, I find with many of these substantive claims that we may end up in a, a spot in which we say there was, yes, there were many original format records provided, but we don't yet even know <laughs> the full scope of records that are required to be given to this individual. So, um, cause that analysis doesn't seem to have been conducted. Um, if, I don't know if that's what other commissioners took away from uh, the discussion earlier tonight. And if so, I, you know, I think we can, we could make findings of, you know, so far no violation occurred or so far a violation occurred, but it, it also feels like this is still kind of a live request. Well, yeah, but the, the city has already released some documents that are not in the original form. Is that correct? I, I think original form that kind of goes back to chief assistant, city attorney, maybe you can, or, or even um, Madam Clerk, maybe advise a little bit on what type of original form usually comes out. Because um, I, I sort of read the complaint as, as like, hey, that YouTube video that was a compilation of a bunch of original form videos, that was inappropriate. And that wasn't an original format video. That's, that's in that time barred window. But now um, it's a little unclear to me if there's an ongoing complaint that any of the records that were actually released if there's a dispute about those, the format of those, or if the dispute is sort of over the fact that there weren't things produced with metadata, but those things weren't produced at all. Does that make sense? And here we're referring only to the April 12th release because everything I mean, it, else is time barred. Yeah, I mean, so there may be some dispute as to, uh, I guess it did sound like the complainant wanted um, a different type of video so that he would be able to see what type of blurred out redactions occurred. That seemed to be, that came up during the hearing. Yeah, he, he said the, the videos, uh, if he gets it in the original form, whatever's been redacted is gone, right? But at least you can look behind the curtain and see the coding to see where it was taken out from. And then, of course, the city's required to explain why a thing was redacted. But if, you, if you're looking at the video and it's all cleaned up, you won't even have that curiosity to say, what happened between 
this time frame and this, you know, the 18 minutes or something like it, there's a, there's a coding thing that you can discover if you have the original format. It's, it's interesting because I do think that providing raw data of like the backend coding of a video seems to go beyond what I would imagine any governmental entity does in terms of yeah, production of be, records. Yeah, I, but you're, you're stating, I think, what came up correctly. Um, but it isn't that way. You, basically, you're going to get a file, just simply an MP4 file, that's going to have an audio track and a video track. There's probably going to be a metadata track along with that, but it's not, it, it's all videoed together. Now, I don't know the tech, the technology between like body cam footage, but usually you have an audio track, a video track, and then underlying there would be some other information. And if you export you may not get all of that data and if you edit it i think the the correct room correct video term would be if you edit it somehow and took out a tenth of a second or a thirtieth of a second that would probably show in the metadata but you may not see it with your eye so whatever got uploaded to youtube had to have some original content on it and i think it did not well, and I think the, right, but what's ultimately produced on the 12th is a Dropbox file of many individual video files, which my understanding is the individual video files, which ultimately constituted what later got, or what earlier had been uploaded onto YouTube, which I think, well, it's time barred in any event, but um, I think the question is, is, can be looked at as of the, the video, really of all of the sort of electronic based records that were released on April 12th, were they produced in a proper format relative to this complainant's request? And I think we can, we can probably go from there and determine. Commissioner Montgomery. Right, not, not only were, were they um, produced in in that format? But but were they? I mean, because he was really he, the specifics were 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 that he asked for original format, and then what you what you get on the links and stuff. There you can obviously see that that they've been edited, they've been changed. I've taken a look at a few of the things. Um, so I don't think that he did get them. And, and I think it's real specific. The law says in whatever, in whatever, what does it say? The agency shall make the information available in any electronic format in which it holds the information. Okay, not in which it distributes the information, but when, with it, when, when it holds the information. And, and I think those are two separate things. Like how do we put out a press release? is not the same thing as what the data behind that press release is. And I think that, that that's, that's an issue here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just because of that statement in any electronic format in which it holds the information. 
So I have a hypothetical question. So you have like a police report that's handwritten, but I'm sure those are scanned into a computer. And so it's stored as that scanned document. And if that's the way the city maintains that record, if that was uploaded to a Dropbox, then it would be in its original format. And I want to say, yeah, because I, I don't know the thing, but I, but I, but I, um, but I do know that oftentimes people have been asked in hearings and other trials not to do with us for handwritten notes. Handwritten notes are the original format, and then they are, then they are uploaded to a computer. They're scanned and uploaded, but the original is not that upload. The original is the handwritten note. Um, and, in, and unless that the, unless they're not holding on to that and after after uploading notes or whatever onto the database, if they're then just getting rid of those handwritten notes, destroying it in some way, we, we, we can't find the original. But if but there's a difference between the original note and what's uploaded to, to that file. Yeah. So is that any different than making a copy of it and giving it to somebody? In other words, it's it's notes, but on a public records request, you're going to get a copy. You're not going to get the original. And, you know, thinking about emails, right, the vast majority of, I would imagine, public records responses are large chunk PDF files of emails all strung together and not PST files that they're, and there's a, there's a technology barrier here too, like for the, the requester, like if I want to look at a bunch of PST files, I need a, a platform to review those on, you know, there's all kinds of things that when you think about like original materials that have true full metadata, you know, although that's not really the original format, you know, I don't know. I think um, the notes point brings up an, an interesting issue of uh, he requested notes. There's, you know, they've produced a report. Um, whether there's underlying notes behind that report, it's unclear. Um, it seems like the parties need to meet and confer about this specific request and what format the requester is hoping to receive the items in. And that conversation didn't happen. Um, Chief Assistant City Attorney, Attorney McKenzie. Hi, I just wanted to, to kind of go back or to go back to that code provision we talked about earlier, um, which is 6253.9 of the government code. Because I believe the, the code is making a distinction between um, making information available for inspection, which is one of the things that the CPRA talks about, as well as getting copies. So sub, um, if you remember subsection A, um, it indicates that um, if an agency has information that is a, a public record and it's not exempt, and it's in an electronic format, then the agency shall make the information available in an electronic format and comply with the following. And this is, I think this is relevant that the agency shall make the information available in any electronic format in which it holds the information. So I would argue that that is a, um, if, if, if someone is coming in to inspect public uh, electronic information. And then when we talk about um, copies, then each agency shall provide a copy of the electronic record in the format requested 
if the requested format is one that's been used by the agency to create copies for its own use or for provision to other agencies. Um, so in that way, it's, it seems like it's possible that um, a public agency could comply with this if it if uh, upon inspection they show the information in the electronic format in which it in which the city holds it but then if there's a copying process that the city uses for making copies for its own use that that would be what the agency is required to to um, provide a copy on unfortunately I, I don't recall any specific evidence either way that was presented to you this evening um, as to how how the city creates copies of this type of, of information, but I thought that was relevant. And if I could just add on, because I, I know that Chair Lopalato asked a little bit earlier, uh, the most tangible example I can give you and the one that we get the most common, we, we do give most things as PDFs always, um, but sometimes those PDFs were made from Excel spreadsheets. And that's really when a requester usually comes back to us and says, oh, I'd prefer to get the Excel and then we produce it in the Excel or if they ask for it in the Excel up front. Excel tends to be like the most common one that people ask for just as an example to, if, you know, to help wrap your head around just the instances of what happens the most. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, Chief Assistant City Attorney, anything else you wanted to add there? Um, okay. Um, so I, I'm, I keep coming back to this. We have a situation where an email was sent that includes a link to a press release and an update to a press release. And our complainant says he never received that email. And the city didn't have any evidence to show that, in fact, they ever sent him that email. You know, there was nobody double-checked the BCC to say, oh, he's wrong, he was on there. And so I'm, I'm really caught up on this question of, is there such a foundational violation that occurred here in our requester never even getting the records <laughs> in the first place that would then have initiated these discussions of, oh, hey, thanks for sending me the link to that Dropbox file that has all the MP4s in it. Actually, I'm wondering if in fact you have that video in a different format. Like all of these conversations that we're grappling with should have gone on between the city and the requester. And perhaps because of this fundamental failure to actually convey the records to the requester in a direct way, none of those conversations occurred and here we are. And I wonder if rather than tying ourselves up in knots over what format he wanted and what format was available, if perhaps there's some kind of finding we could make acknowledging that sort of fundamental violation that resulted in that conversation never occurring and perhaps making a recommendation that that conversation occur with a very specific focus on what, are, what formats are being requested and what are available. And 
you know, if again, the format, you know, if there's an ongoing dispute over it, then maybe that comes back to us. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now as a way to possibly handle this. But if others are inclined to be very specific about what type of violation we might have here, um, I'm open to that. I don't mean to shut down discussion, but I, I am feeling like we are the people in some ways least equipped to gauge what is wanted and what is available. <laughs> I concur with that. I think that's why we're struggling and we haven't seen it. So do we have in our procedures, can we send a, an issue back for to the parties for further discussion? Is that an option? I don't think that's built into our procedures. I think we can, um, and I defer to Chief Assistant City Attorney on this, but I, I think we could make no finding on certain claims. Um, or I think, you know, if we're, if we are in one of these claims down the line, you know, find a, a foundational violation <laughs> that the records were never actually transmitted to the requester, um, you know, then maybe that subsumes all of these other claims and makes it possible to make no finding on them. I, I don't know if we're going to have the same dilemma with the other ones, but Chief Assistant City Attorney McKenzie. So as it, as it pertains to claim two, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I understand. So are you saying that you would not, uh, you would not make a finding on this, but also send a recommendation that the parties meet and confer? Is that? What I'm envisioning, and, and I, again, I don't, I don't, I'm very open to what others are thinking, but um In this instance, the city didn't make the information available to this requester at any point in any format. He's saying he didn't get the email. And later becoming on notice that there's materials out on the internet because some friend called him up is not this, you know, the city has, there's still a violation of not providing the materials to the requester. And so I think maybe the finding could be that there, there, was, there was a failure to provide the materials to the requester in an electronic format and the nature of, you know, and, and the parties are encouraged to directly engage on the records and determine what formats are requested and what are available. Commissioner Montgomery, I see your hand up. Chief Commissioner Montgomery. I kind of wanted, I think we may have gone too far. I had it up when you originally stated something and I wanted you to repeat what you had said because it sounded right. <laughs> and, and then we just kept going. So now <laughs> I was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> it was whatever your first statement was about the finding and I think my question is why would why would we not find in favor of Mr. Frazier in in this one since he didn't get the link and he he wasn't sitting there there's no way to prove that that he was I mean the, the email that we got like there was a BCC but we can't see anything there's no metadata 
metadata attached. So why would we not make a finding on this one? I think was my question, Mike. I you, see. To, directly to you, Chair. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the, a, um, the, the only reason I was saying to potentially not make, I, maybe we would not make a finding with respect to the exact type of format that was required to be provided. And the reason I say that is that we don't even know what it is that, um, that he's actually taking issue with from what was ultimately provided. And the reason that conversation didn't occur is because it was never provided directly to him. Um, so I guess we would be making a finding of a violation, but no specific, we would not be making a specific finding as to the type of format that was required to be produced, if that makes sense. Vice Chair Chen? Yeah, I was just gonna concur with Commissioner Montgomery about the fact that, you know, no one, if we sustain that portion of his complaint, anything we sustain is just a, a recommendation to city council, city staff, or board or commission that uh, we need to improve the way we uh, function in certain, we could all improve, right? But we're, we're set upon to kind of make recommendations and we find out whether, we find whether the, it was, it's a valid complaint. And I feel like it's a valid complaint. And just because we can't be real specific as to how badly it went, we can make recommendations on how it could be fixed. I mean, I don't think we're responsible for being forced to, you know, to completely delineate uh, because we don't know, right? We, we don't know. And I'm so sorry to interrupt, but just to note the time, it's 10.55 and you will need another motion before 11 to continue the meeting past 11. Okay, should we do that motion now? Um, or Commissioner Canberra, do you have something you wanna get in before we do a motion? I no, let's do the motion say. first. Yeah. I motion that we continue past 11 p.m. Do we have a second? Can we be specific, like 11.30? No. <laughs> well, I got, so let me, let me back up before we have a motion. Is that, is there any thought that we want to continue this hearing? Because if the answer is yes, then I'm willing to put a time limit on it. If the answer is no, then we write it out. I think that we would probably need to continue some of the things it, it, unless we just go like, I don't know, we have another hour. We, if we go till midnight, can we go till midnight and get it finished? And then nothing past midnight, not to, not to copycat off of city council, but. No, so I don't um, think we could get it done by midnight. So the real question is, do we extend time now for some time or do we just say, we're gonna continue this so that we can do the thoughtful analysis that we need to do to get this right. My preference, I can't tell you how functional I'm gonna be past 11 o'clock at night to be quite honest with you. So if we have to continue anyway, I would rather continue for two to three hours at another time would be my preference. Yeah, I had, I had anticipated we may need additional time or additional meaning to pin down like specifics on our findings, but um, 
Madam Clerk and Chief Assistant City Attorney, I had not floated the question in advance of whether we have the capacity to, to continue deliberations in a hearing. Um, you, you've, it has been thoughts. done in the past. <laughs> there has been past hearings that have been continued. But that's always not necessarily the correct legal answer. <laughs> provisions have changed too, but. Well, I'm just, I'm just looking, well, oh, we have limited time, but it does say uh, the hearing shall be as soon as practicable, no later than 30 business days from the date the complaint is filed, unless all relevant parties agree to a later date or the commission finds good cause for an extension of time. So I think that that, I, I, I just to be perfectly safe, I think you would either want to get Mr. Solicit Mr. Frazier's uh, input and, and maybe consent on continuing or making a finding of good cause for an extension of time. All right, thank you. I do see, let's quickly get our 11 o'clock motion in. Can someone make a motion just so that we can continue this discussion of when we will have the discussion? Commissioner I Kennedy. will make the motion we continue past 11 p.m. Do we have a second? Second. Thank you. Can we get a roll call vote, please? Members, Canberra. Aye. Chen. Okay. <laughs> Montgomery. Aye. Tilos. Ruben, you're muted. <laughs> it's late. Aye. Chair Lopolato. Aye. Vice. Just under the wire there, I saw um, Mr. Frazier with his hand up. And I wonder if pursuant to uh, Chief Assistant City Attorney's suggestion there, if we might be able to bring him in to potentially consent to a continuation of the hearing. Um, I think it'd be good to get his thoughts on this too. Madam Clerk, are you, are you able to promote oh. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was waiting for agreement that everybody. Yes. Okay. We. Oh, do we it. have sorry. agreement on that today? Yes. Yes. yes, we do. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ooh, we're all getting there. Okay. Yes, we'll promote them in now. Sorry about that. We were all nodding vigorously, but we couldn't move. <laughs> Hi there, everyone. Uh, I'm so sorry, and yes, I'm uh, perfectly happy to delay this until um, whenever is reasonable for everyone. Thank you, thank you. And I see um, we we also have Chief Joji here. <laughs> Amazingly, um, I the the diligence of, of both parties. We but we don't have Mr. Cohen. So, um, Chief Assistant City Attorney, I'm going to defer to you on what our best practice should be here to ensure we're complying in making any choices here. Well, it, the the statute just says all relevant parties agree to a later date. Um, so Mr. Frazier is most definitely a relevant party. Um, if Chief Josie, Joshi on behalf of um, the uh, city, I mean, I could speak on behalf of the city, but I'm trying to stay neutral. So I would like to not be identified as a party, but um, for the good of the order, I could perhaps step out of that role. I'm seeing if I can text somebody too. 
I'm not sure that would be a good idea. Nothing personal, but we <laughs> want to keep you as our attorney. Right, 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 right. Yes, please. A public perspective. <laughs> I wonder if... Um... Well, we, we also have another part to this, though, right? You said that if because, the... Yeah, we, we don't finds, need their consent, right? If the commission finds it's good cause... Yeah. And I think I would obviously want to protect Mr. Frazier at the top of this because it's his complaint. If he's bringing this complaint and feels it's okay to continue, um, that would be good enough for me to show good cause. So I move that I'm going to make a motion. You go for it. For the sake of good cause, and we've shown it um, because we need further deliberation and and the party the party complaint in, involved is an agreed uh, is an agreement um, that we can move to continue this hearing at a later meeting. I'll second. I think you probably want to specify the date and date. time that you're continuing it to. Yeah. Calendars yeah. out, people. Do we, uh, I'm just wondering though, Chief Assistant City Attorney, we don't run afoul of anything related to when the written decision needs to come out, given that we're extending the hearing as a whole, right? No, and, and uh, contrary to what I may have mentioned to you earlier, that 30-day limit is actually in our procedures, not in the Sunshine Ordinance, so it's not as... That's helpful. Yeah. We can... So, we can, and the 30 and days And then the flows, procedures in the same meeting. <laughs> well, and the 30 days flow from when a decision is rendered, so... Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, now, I want to be mindful as we think about this, obviously, the, the, the seriousness of the issue and the, you know, the sort of the gravity of the circumstances and the importance of getting it right um, is what's driving us to want more time for consideration. Um, so I don't want, I also don't want to unduly delay a response. At the same time, I'm also cognizant of the fact that the issues relating to the set of records not being complete yet might actually, that situation may change between now and a subsequent hearing. Um, so I, I guess that's a long way of saying, just to clarify with the chief assistant city attorney, we essentially would be freezing the factual record if we move forward at this point or would continuing a hearing open the door for the parties to potentially present additional evidence or if we wanted that? Well, our procedures are not set up to, for any of that. Yes, yeah. on the, um, you know, they're not set up to do it, but they're not, they don't preclude you from doing so. Cause essentially what you'd be doing is allowing um, additional evidence to come in. Um, so, it would seem to me that um, upon a vote by all of you at the next meeting um, and, a, and coupled with a request from either, either party to allow for additional information and um, um, a response, obviously, that that would be permissible. But you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to okay. agree to that. Okay. I'm just envisioning if there, if, 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 
This is also <laughs> unprecedented too, in that the factual landscape is going to evolve as time moves forward. Um, and so I, I just wanted to be sure we had some way to take account for that. So we don't hold a hearing on something that may be halfway completely moot or the, you know, the complainant would also have the ability to take certain claims off the table. Correct. Okay. And um, Chair Lopato, if I might add, I, I know you haven't thrown out dates yet, but um, I would say there's a lot of meetings being broadcast this month, so there is a limited number of dates. Um, obviously, there's a council meeting tomorrow night, but Wednesday night um, is available, and maybe doing a shorter time frame would help with those issues. I don't know. But then all next week is booked, and so you'd have to go to the following week um, just for broadcast issues. Okay. Question. Yeah. Uh, are we anticipating getting additional evidence in on the issue of formatting and what was actually disclosed versus what was asked for? Because if that's the case, I don't think Wednesday is going to work. We have to give the parties time to get that information together. And given how we struggled so far, I think it might be nice to get some additional information in order to make this decision. I'll, I'll actually just also note, I'm at a conference on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so I'm not available. I wonder um, if it makes sense to continue to the, the next regularly scheduled meeting. That was not the way I was thinking about it at first, but Commissioner Montgomery? That seems a long time away. It does. Um, that's not what my hand was up for, but just to speak to that, that um, it does seem a long time out. And I was thinking that we could get it done quickly. Like, and we, we don't want to be guilty of the same, yeah, <laughs> of the same dragging on of an instance. Yeah. I have a question for um, our city clerk. You there? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So one of the things that limits the dates that we can have is the availability of the recording. Is that correct? And correct. you had other meetings. How about if she puts out two or three dates and we try and do a, I think they call it a doodle to see if we would all be available on the dates that she would provide and we could pick the most closest one to this date. Right. So if if you don't continue it to a date certain um, a, a date and time certain, which um, then we'd have to re-notice and you'd have to have at least 12 days to get out that agenda because special meetings require 12 days notice instead of seven. Um, so could we um, say no later then? Would that um, get another requirement? Uh, no, you have to you have to specifically say the, the date that you're continuing it to. Inside. I just it's, assumed have a date now. We're all here. We don't actually, I, I'm just aware we don't have the um, city's attorney as, as a, as a, as a defense attorney, I would be angry if there was, a. <laughs> but on the other hand, the city has a, a, a deep bench of people who could potentially represent. I don't know. I think we could, we could set a date here, but um I think we'd have to go into it with the understanding that we we don't want to deprive one party of the opportunity of having their chosen representative. Absolutely. Yes. Are we are we all against? You know, I know it's, it's a far time away, but it seems like the June sixth date would be probably the easiest one that we could all sort of agree on, and they could probably have the city's attorney there as well. 
Commissioner Montgomery. I, I remember the question. Um, are we all looking for, for more information or I, I'm not sure um, about about the, the, the more testifying and the more information, what, what are we looking for? I, I thought what we're just trying to, for us to deliberate and give us another night to deliberate. I'm confused think, about bringing other witnesses or more, more yeah. information. I, 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 I was potentially leading us into that territory thinking if we, if we were several weeks out, there's the possibility that the administrative investigative report would be released, disclosed, therefore potentially completing the, as Vice Chair Chen called it, the, the third arm of the investigation machinery, you know, um, that there could be a, a significant change in events that would require additional testimony. I, barring that, I'm, I'm, I would be comfortable with just moving forward to deliberate further um, acknowledging the fact that without, you know, we, we're, we're swimming in a, a deep, deep sea on this electronic format <laughs> question. Um, and that may just have to be the case, but at least we'd have time to, to really analyze it um, and move to the other claims. So I, I don't think that we need to schedule this in thinking about, other. it sounds like this Wednesday's out no matter what. Uh, sounds like next week is blocked. I wonder if maybe we should just see if there's anything that works in that second week, that week of the 16th. That week. Um, I think she was... said we had to pick a date now or what's the other option if we don't pick yes, a date now? That's... I think I think Chair Flato is asking which dates the week of the 16th would right. be available. So yeah. I think the um, Wednesday the 18th or Thursday the 19th. I'm good with either. Another option, as I'm just looking at those dates, um, those are more than 12 days out, right, Madam Clerk? So correct. That's when we would so, be getting past the 12 day, and we'd be yeah. So if that's the first, if those are the first dates available, then we can take this offline and and do an email scheduling to confirm a date in that time frame that works for right, and then just and re-notice it. Correct. You could have a new notice. Um, I, I don't know then. The problem with not continuing it is then you do reopen the whole process of okay. the hearing. It, that, Got uh, it. That's a little. All right. Why don't we tentatively pick between the 18th and the 19th if that works for folks here? And we can also consult with Mr. Frazier. Um, obviously, Chief Assistant City Attorney is an important part. Um, well, I am I am not mission critical. I am at another conference on the night of the 19th. So, um, the 18th, I'm free. Is it the 18th? Wednesday Good with the that. 18th. Okay, do we, since we... Uh, do you want we me want, to promote... Uh, do you want to ask Mr. our party? Yeah. He, he's emailed me and he said Thursday, that Thursday would be better for him, but any day works. So I think he's okay with that Wednesday too, but um, okay. perhaps we could just quickly get a verbal confirmation <laughs> from him. Hi there. Uh, yes, I will miss a holiday party, but I'm happy. Uh, I'm, I've inconvenienced everyone enough. So Wednesday, the Wednesday, the 18th would be fine for me. 
We'll try to make it. And by the way, it's, I realize that Wednesday the 18th is not normally a holiday for people. It's like a COVID delayed one. I'm not just totally Looney Tunes, but it is 1113. So I could also. Okay. So it looks like, thank you. We are uh, in progress for uh, May, Wednesday, May 18th as a continued date. Um, so do I, I need to add that to my motion? I think that I have probably. a motion on the table. Yeah. And do you want 7 p.m., the usual time? Yeah. You could also start earlier if you wanted to start at 6 or uh, you know, 7, yeah. the usual. Perfect. Okay. So, so do I need to say the whole thing over, or are you just going to add it, or do you want to just read it back to us the, with the date? So the, the motion is to continue this hearing until uh, Wednesday, the 18th at 7 p.m. And then you just need a second. Second. Can we have a roll call vote, Madam Clerk? Commissioners, Canberra. Aye. Chen. Yes. Montgomery. Aye. Tilos. Aye. Chair Lopilato. Aye. That carries by five eyes. All right. And um, Madam Clerk, obviously, please let us know if um, when you're Giving notice to both parties, I assume, is probably necessary here. Um, if the respondent has any issues with that date, let's we'll have to deal with that. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you, everyone. Commissioner Canberra. Yeah. So given the hour of discussion we had on metadata and the proper format, do we does anybody feel like they need more information? in order to be able to not get us back in the same spiral we spent the last hour doing. And if that's the case, then we would want to make a request for additional information. And if somebody doesn't feel that's appropriate, I'd like to know, do they feel competent to educate me so that I can make an intelligent decision? No volunteers? <laughs> I'll, I'll express some general, uh, I think the time frame we're looking at now would be, seems appropriate for asking, uh, I mean, what I would envision would potentially be uh, perhaps some, some clarification from the complainant on specifically speaking about the records that were released. What, what issues or disputes are there with respect to the format in which they were released? And then um, if anyone else wants to frame a question to the respondent about what types of formats are available. Um, I think that is the question. What, yeah. what formats are available that you store the data in? And then that might give us a better idea of comparison. Now, of course, we have no procedure built in for issuing those types of requests for information to the parties. So I wonder if, um, uh, Madam Clerk, is that a possibility given that with our sort of verbal statements of those questions for you to connect with each of the parties with that, that question? Um, and maybe just, I think we could just take a correspondence response into the agenda file, right? Yes, yes, I can always add additional correspondence. Okay, so it, it could essentially be uh, uh, a a request for supplemental information with respect to claim number two. Um, 
the commission would would appreciate further information regarding uh, the specific uh, items and formats in dispute from the complainant, and then would appreciate clarification from the city on the types of formats available for the types of records that were released on April 12th. Is that capturing it correctly? I think so, yes. Chief Assistant City Attorney, do you have any concerns about us doing a request for supplemental information like that that might come in as a course? Supplemental briefing? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. It's not barred. And um, as long as both sides are being given the option, and, um, I don't see any problem. And I think, thank you. And I just to quickly add on in case, in case the parties are listening, that can be a very casual, you know, quick email into the file. It doesn't require, um, you know, lengthy, lengthy legal analysis or anything like that at this point, um, unless of course the parties want to give it. Let's go ahead and give a two page limit. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a more technical analysis, I think, than a legal analysis. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, a maximum two-page limit on the supplemental briefing should the parties choose to submit it. Yes, Vice Chair Chen. Um, I think that we might come across this on the remaining questions that we have. And so I'm wondering if commissioners can just send in questions to, um, to the city clerk and she can um, send them to the parties. Because I realized that the, the entire complaint was so long and had so many points in it that it was hard for, for me personally to just hold everything in my brain, right, <laughs> as, as we're reading all of this. And so now that we've narrowed it down to just, what is it, three, three or four that still need to be re-looked at? Um, five. There's five more? <laughs> There's five. Okay, so I think the other. You think I don't mean to pick off by your time, but they go more to like the heart of. Tell me <laughs> if others agree or disagree on this. I mean, I I would take supplemental briefing for weeks and months and anything to just give us more clarity. Um, but I also feel like the other um, questions that are remaining are more clear. The guts of the issue. Um, I don't know if others feel the same way. Well, after my brain cells are restored tomorrow, I might come up with questions. So I, um. you know, I think claim four, five, and six might be able to get handled almost all in the same discussion. You know, the cooperation with the public, whether the exemption applies, and whether whether information was withheld, kind of all go together. Yeah, I think I'm mostly stuck on issue two. And issue two has, um, you know, potentially significant impact on on many other public requests going forward. Uh, so it seems to merit um, merit getting some more some more meat on the bones of our findings. Um, I. But Vice Chair Chan, I, I want to sort of honor and acknowledge what you were suggesting there, which is a good idea. Um, 
do we want to leave uh, like a one day window? If you, if you come up with additional questions you want to ask the parties that you didn't ask during the hearing tonight and you get that question out to them by close of business tomorrow, then if that question goes to, you would submit it to the clerk and then the clerk could right. send it to the parties. Mm -hmm. um, that would all have to go, I think to be appropriate, that would have to probably all go into the public record. So it would all have to be added in as correspondence mm -hmm. um, just as the question during our hearing would be. And then um, the parties could, could choose to reply to the clerk and then that would get uploaded as well. I, I think that seems appropriate chief assistant city attorney as we kind of make up procedures on the fly here as I think as long as there's like a stated window of time that still gives the parties equal amount of time to respond um yeah I think that the key is is consistency between the parties adequate notice and I think with that and then we will deal in in if there are um any objections about the process from either party, we'll, we can deal with those at our next meeting. But I think transparency in this case of, this is what we're planning on doing. Both of you get the same opportunity. Here are the, here are the parameters. I think that that, should, that, that is sufficient. Could, could you repeat the, the yeah. you'll need to consider? Yeah, and, to, and I don't know if we need to make a motion on this or what, but I, what my thought is that, um, when our wonderful city clerk sends out the information of the new hearing time to the parties, uh, she could in the same communication transmit the questions related to claim two, and then also advise them that uh, due to the complexity of the issues, the commissioners uh, would like uh, brief window of time in which to submit supplemental questions to the parties. That window of time, let's say the, the questions would go out by close of business tomorrow. And then the parties, I would say, could have to the end of the week this week, or I mean, I guess it could go longer. Um, I'm just thinking in terms of notice of any correspondence going into the file madam clerk what by what date would you think is necessary for the um the parties to provide their responses to any supplemental questions i think if the commission wants time to read it it would be based on how much time you guys want i i can put something up the day of the meeting of course but it's okay. just how much time you guys want all right how, how about this what if commissioners get any supplemental questions out by wednesday may 4th close of business the parties then have one week to respond to those supplemental questions. So they would be, uh, that would be any responses that the parties choose to submit to those supplemental questions would be due one week later, May 11th. And then we have our hearing on May 18th. And those would be included in the packet that would go out. Is there a packet that's gonna go out to the public is with along with the notice, correct? Yeah, I, I'll actually put out the revised agenda tomorrow just to make it clear in case anybody missed the hearing tonight, but they understand it's continued and that they have another chance to watch the deliberations continue. I will note on the agenda that public comment has been closed and, um, you know, just to make it really clear what year is going on. And then additional things that come in after that can be added just as, you know, as correspondence is added now. Yeah. Okay. So again, I just need to, 
I only have two, four, five, and six, but there's one more because uh, Commissioner Canberra said there were five. Didn't we have eight? Yes, eight. Okay. So those are the ones we 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 need to <clears throat> address substantively. Yeah. 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 Sorry, my words have left me after <laughs> about five minutes ago. Gone. It's a tough time slot. Um, okay, I think we have a good plan. Um, I appreciate everyone's flexibility. I uh, I wish there had been a way to to get it through in one concise hearing, but this is kind of my thinking in the very beginning of the intro statement here. In any court, this would have been a four hearings set over six months. And so um, we're doing our best and- um, And expert witnesses. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> At least on the technology side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, okay, great. I think if there's there are any, any other concerns or issues can all be funneled through uh, Madam Clerk, uh, but I, I think we have a plan now. Um, Madam Clerk, Chief Assistant City Attorney, is there anything further you think we need to address before adjourning this evening? No. Okay. With that, why don't we go ahead and adjourn and um, commissioners just uh, stay aware of that Wednesday, May 4th deadline to get any supplemental questions in. Great. Thank Good you. Evening. Thank Great. you. Thanks, Thank everyone. you for hurting the cats. <laughs> Thanks.